0: Hey, this is Mike Abominator from Ruin, Rent and Gasp. You are experiencing Poppet's Corner. Ah, all right. Welcome everyone to another episode of Poppet's Corner, episode 56. And I'd like to bring on literally the heartbeat, the heart and soul of the uh, Southern California metal s- uh, community out here—the one, the only, the legend himself, Mr. Jason Tyler. How you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Tanner.
0: Of course, man. It's a—it's fucking about time, though, man. Right. It's, it's really about time. Because, like, sorry
1: about that. I think that's my fault.
0: Damn you for I getting a goddamn job. I got a
1: real job all of a <laughs> sudden, and here we are—a year. A year, a year yeah, later, yeah, a year not later. more than a year later, it was eh, uh, November. We'll call it a
0: year. We'll call it a year. But how you doing, man? What's uh, what's new with you, dude? I'm
1: doing good, man. I'm just hanging in there, trying to be safe and healthy, and get good rest. And uh, you know, I was in the gym regularly, mm. at least three I actually had just started to add the weekday workouts to my schedule after work on nights um, at least twice a week I uh, implemented that around uh, January so I'm three months in I'm I'm healthy as I've ever fucking been in my life since since hell week football my senior year in 1996 you know at Woodbridge High School in Irvine I'm maybe besides my lungs from my chronic uh, smoking and asthma probably in the best shape of my life in a long, or at least for a while now. And, you know, it's been a while since I've been in that. I gave a shit about my health. I just fucked it off for a while, you know, and that's when the band kind of took a break and I just got fat and whatever. But, um, anyway, so part of my job is to perform on a stage and not be a fat fucking lard. So, you know, is it
0: though? I think my job Depends. is to be a fat fucking lard.
1: <laughs> well at least you have a fucking guitar in your hand. That's you know. why my job I don't, is to be a
0: fat fucking lard. I don't have
1: no. a big dildo I'm holding on to or anything like you that. Should. But I could. No, and you I should. should I should. I should spray get, it on people. No,
0: what we need to get you a GIMP suit. Something. Something, you know. Anyway.
1: So yeah, I mean it's just been a bummer. I mean I've been going to uh like fellowship uh, meetings and stuff like that and all those are closed as well. So that's kind of a bummer like I mean, you can do stuff online and whatnot. Yeah. It's just not the same. I'm, I'm, I, as I've, uh, be, I've become more social again a little bit, you know, since I, I, uh, stopped drinking and it's been, it's been a strong, uh, 90. Actually, today is my 90, 90th day without alcohol. So 90th day. Yeah. In a row. So that's, that was a big step for me. Um, I quit for almost a year, uh, September, 2017, uh, shortly after Neil passed away, I, I decided to just stop partying so much. And um, I did pretty well on my own, but uh, I kind of relapsed here in November 2019. And uh, one night, I just went hard on some tequila and some other substances. And I decided to call someone that's been clean for, for 10 years and uh, just tell him, hey, dude, I don't think... I want to be fighting this on my own anymore. I I would like to uh, talk to you about, you know, getting some uh, some fellowship behind this and uh, see if it does anything. And dude, well, bam, weirdest thing. Uh, I've really when I started going to these things, right? I thought it was just about not drinking at first, but it's, it's something completely m- deeper here, than that. As I sit here with a beer no, in my hand, I have Enjoying nothing. my see,
0: fucking beverage. So. Well, the thing
1: is um most alcoholics are are uh, uh, alcohol makes them sick
0: right well that's what alcohol is it's like
1: a a nice poison well yeah if you abuse it but some people that are alcoholic though it's different it affects them differently and you're born like that so if you like, are a so true men- alcoholic you're talking mentally yeah and you and it has nothing to do with that drink or not. It's weird. It's like you're, you have certain behaviors that you need to work on with or without alcohol. Now, the thing is, when you take away the alcohol at first, like, like me personally, you start to feel everything more. So, like, if you had, let's say that that beer that you're drinking uh, every once in a while... It takes away the edge. It, it's your medicine, right? So when you no, take away... No, 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 medicine. not for you, for an alcoholic. Okay, okay,
0: we're talking so about alcoholics. So
1: basically, too. if you take away the medicine and you don't put any other medicine or any kind of program in its place, that person's going to go fucking crazy. Right. And that's what happens at first. It's, it's hard. It's a hard road at the beginning, you know?
0: Well, isn't... Okay, correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not a fucking doctor or anything, but I think alcohol is one of the only ones where, like... You can't cut cold turkey because it'll literally stop your heart. If you're drinking uh, really
1: heavily and have delirium tremens or something like that, then yes, you need to get some kind of a uh, medical help also to assist with that, so it's right. not such a shock on your system. Yeah, right. I'm but lucky; you, I was never can, that hard of a drinker.
0: I think you can—you know—you can literally die from yes, you can literally cutting uh, cold turkey on alcohol. But hey. Anyway, so the real reason why I brought you on the show, and I want to get to it, if you don't mind, um, and thank you for for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having I, me on, brother. I know uh, it's a Friday so. night. If anybody's watching, leave me a comment, leave me a question, let me know what's what's going on. Anything about each other's bands oh, yes. or whatever? It I don't. Is. I don't
1: have my uh, laptop. Oh no, I, can, so I can, You can yeah, address the questions because I, I asked them to do that today when I posted about the the show.
0: So, so um, yeah. So I uh. Anyway. I hope we can entertain some folks yes. tonight. So let's do it, man. Topless? Oh, uh, I don't know. It, it's it's uh, it's it's kind of nice right now. So Tanner I don't wanna, only does that when he performs. I only by the do way. that when I get paid. <laughs> 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 anyway, so let's get to it. So I'm gonna I want to interview you about um, your whole your whole journey because I don't think I've ever read an interview with with that information from you because I know you're a huge part in the scene. Like literally, if there wasn't you're like one of what three promoters that like literally do a show fucking every every night or something?
1: Maybe I don't do them that often anymore. Well, but no, but still, but that might that's my I point. have like, at some point
0: with our community. You want like only three or four that I can? That's like prolific. Yeah, and Literally, yeah. without you guys, it's like the scene's dead. Right. So I'm just I I would like to get your your story on here because you do a lot for. Everybody Where do you want else. me
1: to go back to? Where do you oh, want no. me to start? I, let me.
0: I'll steer the ship, and, yeah. and we'll do it. So, yeah, yeah. talk to me about the first time you recall hearing music.
1: Music. Um, well, my grandmother and my parents both um, had some musical influence on me, um, and that would be like. Vinyl records, my grandmother, and eight, even 8-track. Eight and uh, But there's one particular thing I recall. My stepfather had like a, a chest in the living room next to the stereo that he had his 8-tracks in. And um, I got a Walkman at some point around probably 12 years old, and I found his uh, Led Zeppelin, the song remains the same soundtrack on cassette. Okay. And when I started listening to that, it definitely changed my life. There were other things I had heard before that, but that was, like, something in my head clicked. Like, this is this is magical stuff, you know? That band.
0: And what about it, though? Like, what specifically about...
1: I don't know. I don't know what it was. Uh, just the songwriting, I guess, it was way more, because I had heard, you know, and, I, and I'm and i fans of all these other poppy things I've heard in the mainstream when I was uh, a kid, you know, on VH1 or MTV or whatever, before Headbangers Ball and whatnot, but, you know, um, Madonna, Michael Jackson, stuff like that, uh, bands that were big back then, like Devo, Wham, you know, all that stuff's great, um, but um, when I first got into hard rock and metal, I would have to say that that Led Zeppelin cassette, which was... I believe uh, some of that's a, a live recording. I think the song remains the same soundtrack as some of that's live. Most of that is live stuff. It's a whole different. It's not the the album tracks from cool. the from the studio sessions. It's a live record, right? Well, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah
0: it's a, it's a it's one of the most famous live records. It's I amazing. You know, yeah, like you could
1: amazing. hear John Bonham just go off on the rolls, and everything sounds great. You know, yeah, it's, a, it's it's, it's amazing. The,
0: it's one of the best. Musical like things, literally, ever, yeah. to to a lot of people. So, um, and
1: it's that's like a greatest hits that that set list in that show. I think it was '77,
0: mm hmm. The, Some the around the, yeah. the,
1: the late or to mid to late '70s, I think. Yeah,
0: um, anyway, but that, uh, that was
1: one moment I, I particularly remember. Um, I do remember a couple other things, um. I was probably listening to, like, Guns N' Roses, Megadeth, and I heard some Slayer and whatnot. And my stepdad kind of noticed. And for some reason, he walked into my room. This is around the same time, about probably a year later, about 13. I was still living in Orange, California. So, to, uh,
0: 19, <clears throat> what year? Um, let's it? see.
1: I graduated high school in 96. So this would be around 91. Okay. He handed wow. he handed me uh, Scorpions' World Wide Live on cassette.
0: That's a great and record, and
1: that was badass because I knew I already had the current Scorpions record, uh, Crazy World, which had just come out. So I bought that myself, but then I didn't know the old material from them yet. And he handed me this tape, and I was like, "Wow! Like some of that old shit's amazing, you know?" And uh, it was it was just cool. And then. Um, there's some other tapes. I my, like my stepmom got me into Def Leppard. Um, that was one band that we both dug, and Poison, I think, too. So there's a little glam in there, but uh, but that's good, tasty right. stuff. You know, those bands still hold their own. You know, especially Def Leppard.
0: Now, know? did you ever play an instrument? Did you ever want to play an instrument?
1: I did not. Um, I did uh, kind of attempt some electric bass classes um, at one point. But uh, it got—I didn't do my homework fast enough, and it started to get complex really f- quickly. And I was uh, there was other people in the class that were a little more advanced, that maybe had played already before. And I think I just got discouraged and fell behind, and I just—I uh, dropped the class because I—I was main, uh, mainly worried about maintaining my GPA to transfer. Because this at this point I hadn't gone to. Uh, you know, Cal State Fullerton yet. I was still in junior college. So what I did was uh, my buddy Neil, he suggested that I just sing. And, um, you know, we we just would start listening to stuff together and maybe mess around about it, you know, just having a good time. And he'd play acoustic guitar and maybe I'd do like some Alice in Chains unplugged with him. And I knew some of the words to some of those songs. So I was just, you know, just sitting in the living room, chilling out, having a beer jamming and uh, you know, just singing no, no mic or nothing just out out loud you know just chilling out you know
0: what was the feeling like for you when you first kind of did it?
1: I knew my voice sucked <laughs> at that at that time um my my mom always told me I was tone deaf and to some extent maybe I am but uh there was um i, I believe a alive or just breathing by kill switch engage I picked up that record and there was other uh, other vocalists that had a screamer style approach on some parts of their songs, and uh, I was like, "Well, fuck, I can do some of that. Like, I can't do that clean note, maybe, but I can do this other shit, and I can work on that." And I just took that and ran with it, and over time, I've just uh, kind of developed things, and uh, I've I've been pretty adamant lately about just not trying to sound monotonous on the recordings and uh, trying different ranges and trying different things and uh, using our my band's uh, strengths. Um, there's other members of the band that have a better clean voice than I. At some point, I might be able to write the hook mm-hmm. and then they can mimic it and slam my take into the ground and I just let them run with it, but then I can come back that way I have a breath on some of the songs to come into the next verse, or let's say it's a pre-chorus-chorus-type structure, I can nail that one part, hand it off to Aaron or David or Brian.
0: Oh, you're talking new, new, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. I, I jumped, you jumped there, you jumped, sorry.
0: Okay. Well, let's go back to, the, to like the 90, I don't know, let's say like 90, when did you start, uh, 93, 94 kind of thing when you were playing like a... With uh, with Neil or whatever. So oh, that was... was
1: far before that. Yeah, that was actually that was around that was around ninety six or ninety seven. Okay. Yeah, right so after high school. Did you so guys? What
0: were some of the bands that you guys kind of clicked with at that time? Because th- I know there, you know, the whole industrial thing like kind of was a huge thing in like the uh, around that time, right? It wasn't like Fear Factories, like.
1: Yeah, we were into out. a lot of the uh, even the new metal genre. Uh, Neil and I both, and we listened to. Uh, Fear Factory, Thirty Six Crazy Fists, uh, Slipknot, Machine Head, a lot of Roadrunner Records bands, um, Spine Shank, El Nino. Um, but then I'd go over to his place and he'd throw on like Down, Nola, their first record, which is amazing, and that's more Doom Stoner style stuff. And uh, he'd throw on, um, you know, Burn My Eyes. Uh, coincidence, I'm wearing the shirt. Burn My Eyes from Machine Head. And it was a little different than you know more mainstream stuff like Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth at that point. And uh, I was like, "This is cool too. I like this." And then, uh, you know, I guess that's kind of what we listened to at that point. And obviously, that evolved over time with me from where I w- where I went and where I worked and who I hung out with and well, stuff like that. Well,
0: when did you change your vocal style from like sounded kind of like the clean acoustic parts for- to that whole? Like kind of screamy, kind of vocal us uh, I just, um, I was always
1: a good writer. Um, I got like A pluses in like writing, creative writing classes. I'd write poems. But for some reason, I was already writing them as songs. Um, that was kind of, it's kind of weird to think about like that rhyming, now.
0: Like rhyming kind of yeah. songs? Or, okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Like almost like a, a Limp Bizkit hip hop influence stanza thing. And um, I don't know why I always did that one. So when I had this creative writing class and we did poems, I would write them as songs, almost like psalms, songs, whatever. And they would rhyme, uh, no particular style. And uh, that's probably helped my songwriting now. But um, anyway, so Neil formed this band, found a drummer, found a bass player, found another guitar player. I remember it was that backline in Westminster. He's walking me down the hallway they're jamming without us as we were walking down the hall. And I look at him, I go, is that us? And I had gone to one of my homies jams with his band. He was bass player, my friend, Josh, Josh Parker. Um, And I watched him jam in, in a room and I just sat there and I just felt the music. And I was like, holy fuck, this is intense. You know? And that feeling that I got just from sitting in on a live rehearsal was like amazing. And it was like, you know classic rock style stuff but then we all liked heavy shit and i'm walking back down this hallway and i'm hearing that and i'm getting excited and i just had like you know like one of my one of my poems ready and i just grabbed the mic and went for it that was that
0: that was it yeah so
1: i might have had like a a cassette i i don't i might have heard some of them the the scratch guitar and the drums already but then with the, everyone i hadn't heard it yet I, you know what it was going to sound like yet i just went for it and then we just started forming songs and I, at that time i was i had a portable cassette player i would just hit play record record the sessions take them home that way the guys could hear the riffs again i would maybe dub the cassettes hand them back to our guitar players and stuff and we would just try to replicate something that we liked on the cassette and try to do it again the next time because we didn't have anything digital yet. It's kind of crazy, you know, right? how far things have come now.
0: Absolutely. So, let when what what we what I guess when you were writing like your your poems and, and songs and stuff. So even before that, like, what was it helping? I guess in your in your life, like, what what did what did it do for you? Oh, it was like it,
1: it's always been from my heart and soul and what's going on upstairs. And uh, for me. I think I'm kind of a person that's always going to have like an angel and a devil on the shoulder and they're always going to be um in one ear and they're going to be whispering to me at all times and that's kind of what comes out in the writing but, still does
0: But did it help you like kind of lock into like the like into like the middle where it was like like it, it helped you just get through some 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 stuff in your life Oh yeah did yeah
1: it? It, you get to vent and let things out that are uh, Whatever it may be, you know, something that's bothering you, something that you're passionate about, heartbreak, whatever, uh, you know, just bad relationships, good relationships, you can write about all that stuff, and it's really therapeutic to get it out on paper, and, and especially to, to sing it or scream it.
0: Right, yeah. and you were using it obviously to your advantage at that time, so even at a very early age. So, what what uh, age yes. were you, I uh, when you were, I guess, going to that that practice? Um.
1: Boy, oh boy, that's a great question. Let me see here.
0: Don't tell me you wrote that down too.
1: No, but I'm looking at where I was working on my resume, and I can tell you when that was. That was about, actually, that wasn't till about 2004.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, dude, 2004 seems like a long time ago.
1: Yeah, it does. 16 years. Crazy, huh? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that first project, it was called Nothing Eternal. Okay. Yeah, that was your first. uh, The
0: first band you ever. Jammed Wait, with, okay.
1: not live, but jammed with. I ended up joining another band called Scorch the Earth from Norwalk that I played my first show with. It was actually, I believe, at the Doll Hut in Anaheim. Really? Yeah. And who,
0: who booked? So who was booking shows back then? Because obviously, we know I, I you, got you the, as the. I
1: got the gig from the bartender uh, Lily. She doesn't work there anymore, I believe. But uh, I believe Juan was still the owner at that point, and um, then. Uh, my guitar player, David Martinez, still friends with me on Facebook. He's married, has a kid, uh, lives in Vegas now. Um, him and his brother, Jason Martinez, this is Scorch the Earth we're talking about. Um, you know, we, we he, David helped us get some gigs. We had a guy named Manny that would help us also. We That's how I found out about the Old Town Pub. that We played Chain Reaction, Hoagie Bar Michaels, all these places. It was cool, man. It was cool just to be the singer back then. How you know? so? I, I I I wasn't the booker. I didn't. I just showed up and played and had fun. Who booked I wasn't, Who
0: booked all the shows back then?
1: It was either Manny or David most of the time. And then I would have my eye out on stuff. Once we got going, like I got us gigs opening for Warbringer at the Whiskey and at Chain Reaction, and uh, that was right before I heard that they were gonna be signed. And uh, sure enough, they got signed with Century Media right after that, and they're now, I believe, with Napalm Records. But yeah, uh, yeah that's it's rad to see those guys still going and i believe i don't know if I, uh, we've shared the sh- stage with them i know i know i've had you share the stage with them it's just uh, it's just, it's an honor to still work with warbringer and see them still doing it oh, after yeah. all these years and and to see them grow and take off cuz they're they're really um a younger band that has established themselves on their own
0: are they you know? a younger band at this point though
1: not now i mean yeah i mean this was Two thousand four. So this is again. You know, the band's been around for a while now, but it seems like yesterday to me. You know,
0: still. Now, when when did you get? I guess because I thought you had worked in the music business around that time or something, right? Didn't you work like very early on at uh, like Century Media or something like that?
1: I didn't. I I was working. This is how it happened. I um I was working at Smart and Final at the, at the time that we we're just talking about when I was jamming with those guys. And then um, I started going back to college at Cal State Fullerton, and then I got an internship. I was eligible for an internship to finish my degree, and um, I actually went to Warner Brothers first for a couple days.
0: And a degree in what?
1: Uh, My degree at that time was just going to be communications, entertainment, with an emphasis in entertainment. I ended up getting a double major because I had so much radio TV film done as a minor. I just did a double major. I only, had, I only needed a couple more courses because I did so much fucking radio that uh, I just did a double major and ended up getting a major uh, a, a BA in radio TV film also.
0: Okay, so you were—I didn't know you were doing radio. We got to get to that portion of oh, your yeah. existence too. But let's let's focus on uh, the Century Media. Day. So, what? <clears throat> tell tell us, I guess, the beginning of those days for you behind the curtain, kind of. Thing. I remember
1: that um, there was a guy named Mark that worked at the front desk that um, was handling, I guess, the internship program for Century Media. Um, I went to Warner Brothers first. For a little time, I can't really recall if either I was ineligible, I wasn't eligible for the internship yet to get the credit for the class. Like I jumped the gun on it because I was excited and I wanted it. You know, I wanted to get in the, at a record label, or I, I figured out that Warner Brothers was more mainstream. You know, Ch- Madonna, Chili Peppers, but they had Reprise Records, a smaller imprint. Were Disturbed was. I was attracted to that. But it didn't seem like their metal department there was too, thrive. you know, they were more mainstream. I, I could figure that out right away. Um, I did get to meet, I, I can't remember everyone's names at the time, this is so long ago. I, I think I ran in, like ran off copies for the president like the second or third day I was there. So I was like, oh, this is cool. But I just, I just made a decision at that point that that's not where I wanted to be. And I wanted to be working for a metal label and uh, at the time, let's backtrack a second. Okay. When my mom first got dial-up internet at the house when I turned 18, I signed up for the Roadrunner Records street team. And that's what got me into the music business. And what I would do is I would put up posters, hand out flyers at shows for bands like Coal Chamber, Fear Factory, Slipknot, El Nino, Shank. All these Roadrunner bands, Trivium, right when they barely fucking started, Three Inches of Blood, I helped all those bands blow up in LA, because I was the guy telling everyone about these bands. And and for some reason, the momentum that the label had, Mm -hmm. and from all the street teamers, which they had all across the country, in every city of the US, and so all those shows would be promoted heavily on the streets.
0: So you would literally go on the streets and hand out flyers to people and uh, put them on cars and telephone poles. Yes, bowls, like,
1: yes. So and back then, back then there were Tower Records, and they would allow us to put up posters, especially for bands like that that were coming up and playing at the whiskey like Coal Chamber or Beer Factory or whoever.
0: Right, because it was like literally down the street.
1: Yeah, from, there were tons of Tower Records. There was one on Sunset. There was also one in Lakewood by where I was living right there off of um, Palo Verde and, and South, I believe it is, on the other side of the freeway from Cerrito Small. There was so.
0: one down the street from here.
1: Yeah, yeah I Lake used to Forest. go to that one too.
0: Crazy that they're not—they're the not here anymore.
1: Yeah, it is kind of weird.
0: It's, uh, it's still, kind of a bummer. It's still sad.
1: It's it is sad. sad. There's still some small record stores, and I suggest everyone—you know—go out to the mom and pop stores and buy your favorite band's vinyl record because that'll keep these stores open. There's nothing better than going into a store and purchasing music. There, and there's nothing, nothing beats that. It, I found stuff that I—I I found like uh, the Caliban opposite from within at a Hot Topic CD listening bar station. And it said, produced by Anders from In Flames. I put it on the headphones. I listened to it. I was like, this record fucking kicks ass. And they later signed to Century Media. And that's part of my story also, because that was one of the bands. I was like, so I, I found out about this band, Caliban, Heaven Shall Burn, God Forbid, Arch Enemy, all these bands. See, I was doing radio already at Cerritos College. That's another... That's happening simultaneously. So what year So I'm getting was all into metal. Happening? I started doing radio in '98 when I moved back. I I was going through some personal stuff. My mom, um, and stepdad were on the way out. You know whether it was happening right that second or not. I could just feel stuff was going down. I just had to get out. You know, get out on my own and and just try to do my own thing. But, um, my my dad let me crash uh, at his place with his wife at the time. Um, and I started to go to Cerritos College just to uh, get more cr- units because I was taking classes at Irvine Valley College, Saddleback College, right, st- right down the street f- here. Still
0: for the same degree.
1: This is just for the AA to oh, transfer just, to Florida. Sorry, I wrote AA. backtrack. I backtracked because okay. I, I was leaving out some chunk of some stuff. Yeah, it makes it will make no more sense you. this way.
0: We're trying to put pieces together here.
1: <laughs> and then. Uh, so where were we at? Oh, radio. So yes. yeah, the WPMD.org, Cerritos College Radio. How- I uh, started taking a class. You had to take a class to get an air shift. So I okay. took that class with Mr. Uh, Bright, Craig Bright. And I believe he's still there. And um, that was it. I was all in. I learned about microphones. I learned about mixing. I learned about um, the bo- the soundboard. I learned how to produce. There were projects where you produced a PSA, a commercial. You put you know you do all this that cool stuff fun, it was dude. really fun dude I was really into it yeah.
0: I need to take a course on on this You'd I, love it. I've never taken a course on this this is just all fucking, yeah <laughs> just like plug in and see where it goes kind of thing it's all from like uh Experience. just doing it yeah, yeah. but um so w- what kind of music were you playing around that time
1: I was playing metal right okay. away because I knew I liked metal so uh, and they would
0: let you play it
1: yeah you bring in what you want but you have to make sure you edit out the explicit you can't have any cursing on the air.
0: And this was so. This was still on FM and AM. This
1: was AM, an AM station at the time, wow. a small radius around Cerritos College, and then it uh, the .dot org took off the the website, and that was able to be broadcasted worldwide. Obviously, so I had people listen, listening, and you know other countries. It was kind of cool. Anyway, there was a record library there with CDs and records, and there were turntables, but. There was not much of a, a hard rock metal s- section, and I built one in there, you know, twice as big as your rack behind you. there. Hey, hey, hey! I'm this just is, saying. This just is saying. Not, this over is not time for the radio. This is just my collection. I'm just here. saying. I'm just saying. I'm just giving a, a, a visual here. So anyway, I, I built this wreck, you know, this metal section in the uh, station library from building contacts with Roadrunner Records, Century Media Records, Nuclear Blast Records. Uh, Victory Records, those were all big uh, ferret, Uh, all kinds of, you know, it's just stuff that we liked, and then I met people, you know, I met uh, Hector Ramirez, who sings for Infinite Death at Cerritos College doing radio, we ended up doing a show together, you know, and then... uh, So
0: were you playing in Scorch uh, the Earth during this specific time?
1: That was right after that, I started radio first, because that was 98, Right so there's on. a there's a couple years where I just went to school. And, and you, did you have
0: a you didn't have a band around that time? I'm assuming no,
1: no. When I met Hex, he was in another band, and I wasn't a singer yet. I was just a a metalhead.
0: Okay, a, a, fa- a fan and and, and a DJ at yeah. the, around that time. Were there many others around that you? knew There was of? like
1: one other metal show on the air, but I just kicked his ass, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? Radio was the greatest thing. I got to interview. Um, almost anybody I wanted to uh, until I finished when I finished I was I was actually uh, interning at Sirius XM in LA in January uh, 2011 and uh, I nearly had a job as a producer um, for a show and it was probably between me and one other guy and still friends with all those people and uh, I just realized I just I gave it my all and then that was uh, you know (laughs) nice (laughs) Um, that was that. And I decided to just uh, go into the music business after I left radio now and what, concentrate on that full time.
0: What did you, what aspect of the music business did you want to kind of spearhead?
1: I wasn't sure. I just wanted to, uh, when I first got to Century Media to intern, I just wanted to help and learn as much as I could. And I actually helped with uh, some of their street team and radio promo mail outs. So I'm I'm the guy that's, you know, slipping the new Divine Heresy radio promos and mailing them out to the radio stations across the country so i'm on the other end of what i was doing playing metal but i'm sending these records out before they're even out to these stations to get airplay
0: wow it's kind of like what you're doing now
1: yeah yeah basically kind of
0: right i mean except for there was the in- the internet wasn't really prevalent back then. I don't know. No, think. So, not
1: at all. So the physical copies and still, mailing them was, was a still big a huge, deal.
0: Uh, it was still a big and deal. And we would yeah.
1: cut flyers and mail them to the street teamers, and you know that was still a big part of things. This is obviously, yeah, before Facebook was huge.
0: Now, what I guess what was the benefit of a street team back then? Because I'm still not familiar with like exactly what one word of mouth. Okay. Yeah. So that's how what you the get the word is. of mouth
1: and the buzz going. Yeah, but it's it's different because it's physical. I think people. Some people have disregarded the flyers, and they kind of, they're kind of invisible to some people. But some people still like to grab them. You see, you know, you can tell when you like leave a little stack by the door of a show, and you see that it's depleted a bit. That means someone that wanted one picked one up and took it home or put it in their pocket. It's
0: kind of amazing. Did, yeah. you, did it make you feel good? Obviously, this is a yes question, but I'm going to ask anyway. Did it make you feel good when, say, like a band you were promoting, like? You would say you would go to the show and it would be fucking sold out. Oh yeah, and knowing that like kind of you had a part in that kind of yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, I would say even, even though the though, band didn't
0: probably thank you, but you know you. Even you,
1: though it's a small part, I think I would like to think that a lot of the street team members helped those bands blow up, and some of them are huge as shit right now. You know, still, you know, I'm not shit gonna, is huge. Not gonna not gonna name names, but uh, we helped a lot of those bands because they were not that fucking big when when they joined. Now, those labels, you know.
0: Now, what was kind of the climate of the metal scene around that um, late '90s, early 2000s kind of thing? Like, what was what was prevalent? Ozfest. Really? So, like, th- what what kind of bands were playing it? Is Mike that question. was uh,
1: Mudvayne, Otep, Fear Factory, Slipknot was just coming up. Obviously, Ozzy, Black Label Society. Um, i trying to think who was on main stage back then
0: rob zombies and
1: that was before and... Z- rob did his solo stuff i think the the early Ozfest, um
0: pantera or something like that I'm just... yeah
1: i'm sure they played one before i went i'm trying to think shadows fall was was big back then um i bands. just remember when they first started bringing over the swedish bands like in soil work and opeth and that's i don't think the public here back then knew who the fuck these bands were but we did cuz we played them on our radio shows and we were like running to the stage to see these guys come to the US for the first time and uh, obviously Ozzy and the crew that puts together mayhem fest and oz fest and, and people that put together festivals they had their someone had their pulse on that cuz they were bringing these bands over now they're obviously blown up and huge in the US but back then they they never played here much you know it's kind of crazy we're kind of talking about that today hey.
0: Right. Well, it needs to keep continue to happen. Yeah. Nowadays. It can't be the same lineup every year. You
1: guys, it's not going to be as uh, well, crowded I, as it was the year before. True. By the way. I mean,
0: I always, I always say, I sound like a broken record when I say that. So I'm going to hold off on that for now. But you know, if you guys obviously know what I'm about and have seen the show, then you know exactly what kind of bands I'm, I'm talking about with the tour packages. Not letting new kick-ass bands, you know, take over. But it's okay. We'll take over eventually, right? When all these right. bands kind of die out. So it's fine. Don't worry about it. Anyway. Back to Century Media. Ba- back to Century Media here. So
1: some of the stuff I was doing when I was interning there was uh, preparing press kits and uh, publicizing new releases and data entry for publishing department. Um I produced a monthly road report and rocking and shopping for the CM podcast that was part of radio. You know, for the, this the label specifically, uh, it was Tim Binder, who was doing radio for the label at the time, who really? who works for uh, Marco from M Theory. He's now. a good dude. Yeah, so uh, Tim and I are, are close because he was always rad to me and let me help him out. It was it was awesome. He
0: he's just like a rad dude. Did you did you meet like anyone that wasn't as rad? Tim's the raddest
1: dude I've ever met in the business. Yes, there's a few that were from Century Media that I still keep in touch with. You know, some of them I work with now, obviously. But, uh, and then what happened was okay, at the label, usually the warehouse where the distribution is done and the office are separate. And in order to get into the warehouse, you need a special code. Or if you're not supposed to be back there, you're not you're not allowed back there because that's all inventory and that's money and it needs to be accounted for every fucking copy, and it needs to be clean. It's a crazy job. Um, I'm perfect for it because I'm an ADD up the ass, you know. So anyway, <laughs> what happened was I think they needed my their you know they needed help back in the warehouse one day. So they had me with go back o- there
0: with orders with like yeah. shipping out orders. Yeah. Or, okay. Pulling
1: packing and shipping orders. And I just went back there and kicked ass and then they offered me a job. That was that. And it that was the position open and I obviously took it.
0: Now, was that a big deal around that, around that time
1: for like, me? Yeah.
0: For you, was, was it's it wasn't exactly
1: deal? what I wanted to do with the label, but I just, like I said, I just took it because it was my foot in the door and it was a, it was a good move, you know? And, um, I ended up becoming a sales assistant and sales and merchandise manager for the Rockstar Energy Mayhem Festival tour, so I got to go on the road, um, selling Century Media and Nuclear Blast merchandise in a pop-up tent around every city across the U.S. that the tour was hitting.
0: No way!
1: Yeah, that was a really cool experience. And uh, Nuclear Blast was upstairs at the time, so they were in the same building, and
0: That's so I was awesome. I was
1: actually selling. I believe it was Formation of Damnation from Testament.
0: That's when they got back to that. A couple
1: weeks early because we had, right. we just had to, I had to make sure I was sending in the sound scans so that they could, they could track the sales.
0: Well, that's when that's when Alex Skolnick made it back to the band. Right. So that was a big deal.
1: Yeah, that was like their comeback record, basically.
0: Pretty much. So That was yeah. when they did like, what, the Masters of Metal with like fucking Heaven and Hell and Priest and...
1: Yeah. Yeah, and a, I remember and that show. That was a yeah. great
0: tour. But anyway, so that was The Mayhem
1: Africa. Fest tour, the bands on it that year were S- Slipknot, Slayer, Motorhead, Anthrax, Azalea Dying... Um, yeah, I went
0: to that show. i
1: trying to think who else. Uh, yeah, yeah. Glenn
0: Helen, right? Upon what? a
1: Burning Body. Yeah, that was the first show of the tour. Upon a Burning Body, Asking Alexandria... Um, Oh boy, oh, boy, I should have wrote some of this down. But anyway, it was a rad lineup. Um, Jeff was already sick, so Gary Holt was filling in that tour. Um, I believe.
0: Jeff was always, no way. That was yeah. way late. Okay, so we're talking, you're jumping ahead. So this is way later. I'm talking like 2003, 2004, 2005. No, this is
1: uh, with, uh, 2007 uh, is when I started interning. And then when I went on the actual tour, it was around 2012, I think.
0: Okay, so the yeah. Formation and Damnation I thought was like around the mid-2000s to... I don't think so. Okay, I could have it wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll do some research and, and we'll find out.
1: Uh, look it up. I'll, <laughs> I will. That'll tell you the year of the tour, because I'm pretty sure that was the record I was 07, 08, selling.
0: 07, 08, then it must have been. I think it was 08. If if not I'm I can look
1: it up on, on a break.
0: There's no fucking breaks here. Give me a break. <laughs> like how I did there? Anyway, so so after, after that specific tour, was that the first time you went on... A tour, yeah. Did they Charter tell bus. you? Did they tell you how to, you know? Uh
1: There was a guy that worked for us that was just getting another job that kind of gave me a run, a quick rundown I of bring it. Bring a
0: sleeping bag, bring a pillow. It was crazy,
1: bro. It was just go for it, and it was nuts. Yeah, it was the most insane experience ever. And of course, I got completely shit faced the night before we left.
0: It was two thousand eight.
1: Because thank you because wow that was early in my career over there because um that that's when the record came out that's when the record i don't think that was the record i was selling then i think it was something else anyway because i i didn't go on tour that quickly it was it was towards the end of my career over there not the beginning
0: dark roots 2012
1: maybe okay or it was just a different record completely
0: okay Okay. oh different band (laughs) something don't worry about
1: i know suffocation was one we had we were selling um, early you know this is like a week before it came out so people were like running over to the table to buy it right they couldn't get it yet
0: but it did so he gave you like a like 30 a, count like a box. A, like a it no he gave you like advice on what to bring like why Oh, yeah to, yeah yeah and and, and I and I brought uh,
1: vinyl and cds and I had And
0: toilet paper and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean there, I mean we were a sponsor on the tour so it was pretty rad like I'd wake up, get off the bus in Cleveland, walk down the hill along the side of a, the you know the Ohio River, and there was a full omelette bar and someone cooking for you, and you could have cereal, coffee and cream and an omelette, and you know sit there and get rid of your hangover and then set up and go to work. You know that, That's what I did for the whole summer. It was awesome. I was younger, you know, like I, I don't regret anything. I had a fucking blast. There was one party, Jagermeister sponsored party for free alcohol, free food every night at backstage with the fucking bands. We had a Halloween party where Lemmy's sitting there partying next to me. Dude, it's like a dream. Like, I I can't even. It's like, did that even happen? You know? Like, it's crazy. It's, 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 dude, there was one, one night in, um, I remember the city, Oklahoma City. Uh, Um, Corey taylor was djing the after party in the back there was a dunk tank i went on a drunken golf cart ride with dave lombardo somehow
0: that's awesome it was the
1: weirdest fucking night how ever. did you
0: get there obviously just, you don't just remember. mingling
1: you, you know just
0: like dave lombardo they're, let's go like,
1: <laughs> the guys like hopping in i don't fucking remember but it was just you know hanging out dude it that's was great. so fun so fun and stuff that'll never happen again you know
0: but 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 like, just the fact that it happened to you once, it's like this is that's awesome. It was
1: cool, man. I soaked it all up, you know. I had a blast. Now, um, what
0: what did you take away from all those experiences to what you kind of do now, though?
1: I would have to say, if I could do all that that again, I'd, I I wouldn't drink this time.
0: But I'm saying like, not not that aspect. I'm saying like like those experiences, like what made like did that influence like what you do nowadays, kind of to take advantage of like those fun times with the work. Well, yeah, because
1: um, you always want to be social networking, no matter where you are. So um, I would just—I was just saying—I would probably do more uh, networking than drinking, socializing this time around
0: if I did it again. You know what I mean? Well, like I, I know would- I do, but I was just merely saying, like, if you took away like <laughs> what those guys kind of said to you, and then used it to your what you do now with like promoting and stuff like that or like how to how to treat bands and how to just just oh yeah i
1: learned about all that yeah because that was top of the line shit the organization of that tour even though it's not happening right this second anymore um it was pretty fucking mind-blowing dude to see things operate on arena levels and that much pyro that slayer had that was set up every day and all the big rigs, it was just massive, the production. It was fucking awesome, dude. Slipknot and Slayer just put on killer shows every night, and everyone, it was so cool, because every city you go to, you would meet hungry fucking metalheads at. And it was the most amazing, it was like being in a traveling circus, but with metal, for metal. for everyone had that same passion. Everyone that was on the road with us, everyone that was at at the show, the, the fans the customers everyone coming up to the table to buy music I mean everyone was there because they loved it you know and that that's something that you can't really compare anything else to I who don't think
0: who surprised you the most though on that tour
1: <clears throat> personally like people I ran into
0: yeah like the musicians like who's who who surprised you the most
1: honestly just... the Azalei Dines guys were really really nice to me and uh that's probably why I don't want to bring up a, a lengthy discussion about anything, but that's probably why... My floor's yours, dude. Do it. That's probably why I back them in their decision to get back together and come back. And I actually drove all the way down to San Diego a couple months ago to see this show in person for two reasons. Uh, the L.A. show was on like a weeknight, and I get up pretty early to get to the office right now, so I don't particularly want to uh deprive myself of sleep so i chose to drive down on a weekend to san diego to selma and back just to see Asley dying and come back and um it was an amazing show and i also hadn't been to that venue since i was much younger and i used to drive down there and drive home all the time and i don't know how the fuck i did that now i think about it but it was weird bro to be in there and be like 20 years older than i was when i was in my 20s and be at the same venue and it was a trip because i saw them when they were really fucking young and they were opening for Blackest of the Black, you know, wow. ten years before this. It's just a trip, bro, to see bands evolve, and they just got up there and killed it, dude. I mean, I was side stage for a second, and that's cool and all, but you know where it sounds the best? Right out there in the crowd in front of the house. It sounds like shit side stage usually. That's just the truth, people. Side stage is not that cool, and it doesn't sound that good up there.
0: Well, I mean, and I always- you can
1: get a cool viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But nothing beats being in that fucking crowd and being a fan and that I can tell you from my experiences from being everywhere in the business, nothing beats the feeling when your dad took me in the front to see ruin that other night at the church of the eighth day show. That was fucking awesome. And I had a blast and there's nothing like that being up against the barricade and having the pit right behind you and having the crazy fucking guy almost elbow you in the fucking skull. That's good shit. That right was there.
0: yeah, that was the Field by Fire show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Church of the Eighth Day Anniversary
1: cool. Show, yes.
0: Um I, I think that's why like most of us like being in the audience. Obviously we like we like hanging with our buddies and meeting like people that, that, that like our bands and stuff. But I think really what I get out of it is just seeing like my friends play and like Fuel by Fire, I'd seen for fucking ten, fifteen years. So it's kind of like the same thing with As dying with You, yeah. right? Like them and Warbringer and X More. It's like I played with all those bands. I got to see um, you know, kind of where you know evolve to where they are today and stuff. And I'm so proud of all of them. Yeah. Even though I, if I have criticisms, so I'm sorry, guys, but I do. But anyway, but like I'm, I'm still like um, happy for them. And And blown away that like you know they're still doing it and stuff, and us bands are still we're still here, so yeah. when you see a band like that that is that's still doing it, it's like it makes you appreciate them even even more, yeah, so seeing them you want to see them like you know face to face like like doing what they do best, yeah, why would you go on the side stage right yeah, because because yeah, you're the cool guy
1: right right and uh that's what most people think it's about but. well
0: cuz i i went, saw the side stage for that uh right. fuel we by fire show yeah. and i went to back to to, exactly. to see that's how how saying. they sounded out there and it yeah. was like, like oh this is way better yeah i think it's just a matter of like the cool kids club and i i like being a part of the cool kids club to an extent right but i like being a like a part of a bigger movement of show. and that's and that's you guys you yeah. know like i right. like being with you guys to enjoy the fucking show. Exactly. You know? So, I uh, I totally get it. But hey, let's let's move backwards in time real quick. So, it's around like the mid 2000s. When did uh and tell me the story, I guess of how you formed because I don't know anything about from when Scor- Scorched Earth and All God's Kill kind of formed, kind of thing. So, what uh, yes. is what is like that kind of um
1: I was um I I do remember I was I don't remember what year exactly this is. This is not in my notes, but I did a uh, a second internship at some point with um with Metal Blade Records. And I think that was still it was something to fulfill my my uh my degree, right? I could do like a second internship and I just did it because I wanted to this one summer. And I remember um I I met Sean and, um, I got the, uh, five or six song instrumental demo from All God's Kill. And I was actually interning and listening to the music and songwriting in my head on the drive. And while I was interning over there and, uh, I just auditioned to one song, Realize, R-E-L-I-E-S. And I nailed it and, uh, they wanted me in the band. And then, um... We got hooked up with this killer gig at the observatory, which was called the Galaxy in Santa Ana at the time. It'll
0: always be known as the Galaxy. Right.
1: And of all bands, Flotsam and Jetsam invited us to play. We didn't know it at the time, but I guess they needed a drum kit to play on. But that wasn't a problem for us. But um, we got a good spot. We didn't have to sell fucking tickets or any of that horse shit. And we played with Flotsam and Jetsam. And it was weird because we were all God's kill. We were a little heavier. Than that style. So a lot of older people were in the crowd and just kind of chilling, but but we had a good show. I and mean, there's YouTube up there on it and stuff. I had long hair and jeans on at the time. Start just starting to bald up there on top of the head.
0: Well, did you did you so for years, <coughs> like how did th- that thing just dissolve just naturally or, or Uh, there
1: was some weird issue. Uh, I don't really want to bring it up. It was just like a Misunderstanding and that was that.
0: That was that, and then yeah. So soon after, obviously, you were still, I guess I was doing that's uh, the, when I the went back media thing right. No, that's
1: when I went back. Uh, as far as my vocal career as a vocalist, um, that's when I went back and started doing gigs with, with my first band, Nothing Eternal, because we had never played yet. But oh. that got me my my feet wet as far as playing shows and my first gig ever when i was singing for scorched the earth was at the anarchy library i said dollhood earlier my first show of my life was at the anarchy library in downey which i live walking distance from now and i just moved into this house in october of 2019 that's fucking weird
0: it's a good thing you're not drinking
1: no shit (laughs) (laughs) cheers to that i already went over there and see if they had old duels too and they don't so that's kind of a bummer because dude i went in there the other night or right when we moved there and they were—they had a fucking '80s night, dude. They were playing all my favorite '80s shit. It was the coolest thing.
0: They played Wham for you, probably. Yeah,
1: dude, all the great shit. You know, I was careless people. with Careless Whisper, you know. Anyway, um,
0: so so the let's go let's go back to from obviously scorched the earth, right? Do you released a couple of demos? So talk to me about the first time. And we'll get to That was the first w- time I
1: tracked. We'll get I to, tried to we'll get track, to the All god's sick. kill
0: era of your of your existence here. But I want to know the scorch you're still or s- scored. yeah. Um the first time you went into a recording studio. Yes, what was that I remember
1: at? this. It sucked because I had the flu. It was at bomb shelter in Garden Grove, Westminster <laughs> and okay. um, because we had booked studio time and well, back look at then that. Thank, thank you. you you're, dad you're the asked. best. Yeah, you,
0: dad he's bringing him his, his medicine here thank, thank you, you thank
1: you nice and hot too black death thank you guys for having me and i'm drinking um, the
0: uh nice stone while jason sips his coffee here I?
1: where were we at here
0: um first time in the recording show you oh you're yeah sick, so.
1: I, had, I was sick i didn't even want to record that day but because of booking studio time paying out know, they insisted i go through and try to track and uh I just, I was new at recording. Uh, it, I, I don't think we, any of us were completely happy with it. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It never came out. That band with me on it, at least never put out uh, a quality recording. And then, uh, I went back and started jamming with Neon Daniel and Ernie. And, and, uh, we started playing shows with Nothing Eternal. We did a, uh, A demo with Daniel Martin, actually. Yes. He's in Orange County. Sorry, I don't... He is on my Facebook. (laughs) I don't know where his studio is and what it's called off the top of my head right now, but he is on my friends list. Daniel Martin. You can look him up. He's a great uh, engineer, and I believe he's still in Orange County. And, um, you know, he knew... I knew of him through... I think it was through Big Mac. um, And... You know, he did a good job on that on that demo. It's up on the Nothing Eternal MySpace. Now, and it's also on my SoundCloud. Okay. My personal SoundCloud, Jason Tyler.
0: Okay. Uh, might so, be Jason
1: Tyler underscore 85, possibly. I'd have to look it Oh, is it that up. when
0: you were born or something?
1: That was my football number in high oh, school. Okay, okay. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's a good fact.
1: <laughs> oh, we haven't even talked about no, that. No, we yeah. haven't.
0: <laughs> um, so when talk to me like a kind of... Like what was what were some of the pricings for studios around that time?
1: I don't remember. Cause okay,
0: like was it thousands? Was it hundreds? Because
1: I think I think we we had a deal with Daniel where it was like a hundred a song to record, oh, mix, per- and master. Okay, okay. So it was like five hundred bucks maybe.
0: And it never got released.
1: The Nothing Eternal. We probably just burned it and handed it out because we were young and just wanted people to come to our shows.
0: Now, okay, so let's move forward real quick to the All guys. I
1: did design the cover though.
0: With with what finger painting or something?
1: Some shitty Photoshop.
0: <laughs> I'm just giving you shit, dude. But anyway, so the all God's you should look it up. Look up I the I, eternal I, artwork. It's okay. amazing. Okay. <laughs> it is. Is it amazing though, or is it like really? I, it's amateur, so... but it's, it's fucking
1: rad. I did make it myself. I used different layers, and I don't know what the fuck I did, but you'll see it. I will. But you'll I'll see look the it difference. <laughs> anyway. Go ahead.
0: Um, but let's go to the uh, kind of all gods kill. So we know kind of how you got into the band, but what were some of the first rehearsals like for you? Um, you knowing, were, knowing that like you were with like I guess a, a higher caliber of. of it musicians? was definitely a higher
1: caliber band immediately. Um, both Rudy and Sean were in a band called Irate, uh, and they won the first ever Project Independent Battle of the Bands for jeff totten at the whiskey and then they got to go on tour in the project independent van which ended up being the all gods kill van that's a long story sorry jeff what, <laughs> to what bring year, that up what, but they're both <laughs> jeff is definitely my friend on facebook and i do you, need to call him back sorry i haven't called you back buddy
0: what year was this
1: boy oh boy um <sighs> i'd have to look that up <laughs>
0: I know, I asked the tough questions here, man. I'm telling you. I should you, have had
1: dude. some more of this time stamped um AGK. I think it was two thousand eight.
0: You bash it. I think we played that fucking show, dude. Which one? The the project independent thing. Oh, like,
1: Irate? I think that was two thousand seven ish. Yeah.
0: I think we played it.
1: So they won and then I was probably there. I might have saw you play that. Maybe I did see you before the other show that I thought I first saw you at, actually. Because I probably went to that one. Because I remember Irate.
0: I knew it was an inside job. Anyway, point being, <laughs> <laughs> point being, uh, that was that was. Don't a long ever do a battle of the bands, folks. Never, <laughs> I I just refuse to do it. I, it's just I, obviously, I mean, I, I, Lazarus I, Casket did one for for. Uh, it makes sense for certain kind of, of bands, but yeah. you know, I'm not not in that category. Yeah.
1: Anymore. It worked out well for Zombie and Horse. They won and they got to play Not Fest Ausfus in two thousand eleven. Well, yeah, so I think that so did so
0: it's Cynical and then obviously Voices played Vakin. So there's a in couple 2017,
1: things. Two thousand seventeen.
0: Sorry. Yeah, so there's a couple bands that like kind of have have right. uh, used it for their yeah. for their their advantage, right? Monarch from San Diego, they won yeah. and did that. Some
1: some bands went at fair and square. Sometimes not so much.
0: Yes, but anyway, so um, let's <laughs> go back to the the All Gods Kill Day. So like when. What was the feeling like? Just I guess just knowing we you were, were in a
1: room mm-hmm. about the size of this area here, from the trailer to the wall, with the drummer on this side, guitars mm-hmm. stacks in the corners, the PA, and um, we just get in there and sweat it out, and uh, we that's how we wrote the you know the first album. Um, actually, I tracked all the vocals before I left for the Mayhem Fest tour.
0: In a studio or at your house? Like, in, what was more prevalent at that
1: time? We did everything at Rudy's house.
0: So okay, so there's still home, home studios back in. He uh, had
1: a lot of gear. Yeah, yeah, it was it was somewhat digital, but he still had other stuff. It, whether he used it for our record or not, he had a lot of fucking recording gear, a lot and, of old school shit. And too.
0: and as a vocalist, because I don't really have, get too many like vocalists, vocalists. I get like guitar player vocalists, and drummers and bass players and you know obviously all that caliber musicians yeah um but is it hard for you to track to a uh, uh a click like do you usually just have it off not anymore to uh especially around that time
1: i think back then it probably bothered me but now i'm used to it and i i prefer it obviously in your it's headphones
0: so you, do you have them literally in your headphones when i you... do
1: now okay i might have asked them to take it out back then i can't recall
0: what well, you, did you do it for like a like a like you wanted it to be like an organic kind of feel for so. you? Okay. I
1: think so. Obviously now I'm a click track vocalist.
0: A lot of us are. A lot of us yeah. need like to have that I think, like I, think it's, I, I don't
1: think, uh, depends on what kind of band you are. I think, you know, if you're just more of a a jam band, you can get away maybe without the click. But if you're a, a technical death metal band or a thrash band, you probably want the click for everybody. And if you're not doing that, you probably should.
0: Uh, I mean. That's just my it, advice. It's true. And I'm not even. I feel a like you're a better player. musician with a click. Yeah. But that's just my
1: opinion. It just keeps everything in sync, and it's up to your drummer.
0: You know what the best part to, is? Though? Uh,
1: set the pace and yeah, the but, pulse.
0: But here's the best part: you're locked onto a grid, so that's right. your like starting point, right? So that's right. what. So if somebody fucks up, right? Like the click knows it. You like, go back the click, to the click. You yeah. You go back to right. the grid, and if you need to add something on, it's like super easy just to, you know, intertwine all those those elements. You know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so going backwards. All God's Kill. So you released the first record, right? And you and you never came this, out. Oh, never came out.
1: I tracked all the vocals before I went to go on the tour. Um, by the time I came back, uh, the guitar players were not getting along and were not happy with some of the mixes, I guess. And uh, the band had imploded by the time I returned. And um, luckily, my bass player at the time, Jeremy. He got me a copy of the album, and that's the album that I have posted on my SoundCloud. It is the full mix and master as it was before, as the band imploded, pretty much fully done. And it sounds good.
0: No, I've always wondered this, too, when a band is kind of in that position. Ten
1: songs. It's long.
0: Yeah, but but why wouldn't you release it? Because you've already put in all the hard work to it, and all you need to do is... It was
1: Sean's band. Sean asked me to audition... And uh, there was just some band decisions that were made as far as member changeouts and replacements and voting and shit that happened before I left that ended up kind of maybe being the demise of the band. And um, nothing beats the, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings because they're also my friends on Facebook, but nothing beats a certain chemistry that we had with a certain lineup. And that would probably be uh, Rudy and Sean on guitar, JP on bass and Ben on drums. Was and those it, were the guys that used to rehearse 5 days a week together, all 5 of us, and it was we could play a fucking hour set. We did at Malone's once before it got remodeled. <laughs> and we had we an had hour a set. we you, had we I, did I, You guys are cute. We did had a we 10 minute song did, called Pig King.
0: <laughs> we did like it was fucking We did like sick. a 2 hour set one time it was glorious with Isn't it no fun? with no with <laughs> with no rehearsals. <laughs> With no. no fucking rehearsing, dude. We just went on stage and did a two-hour set. It's fun. Like, like it, it, It's That's a uh, lot of work,
1: though, you know?
0: <laughs> you're telling me. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, but what was, like, I guess, obviously, that specific lineup was, like, y- you you trusted each other enough to know exactly what anyone was going to do, so you knew exactly what, like, the drummer was going to do at a certain point, or, like, your, your, your guitar player, right, if you wanted...
1: Actually, in that band... We did, and could rehearse without. If we had one guitar player and one was absent one night, either one, the band could do the whole set together. That was kind of rad because that's not always the case with every band, but we forced ourselves to get through the sets with just Rudy or just Sean multiple times when somebody couldn't make it for whatever reason, and and uh, it was it was a good practice, you know, to be a down a guy and still get through the set, you know? It was rad, actually. Was it really the, helped, I think, build the morale of the band at the time. I mean, it was irrelevant absolutely. eventually. Absolutely, and it, it made but, you
0: like a, into like a full-fledged musician. Now, yeah. now was this around the time like, I'm going to bring it up, because it's part of your story, no matter if you want to deny it or not, it's fine. It's fine. But I'm going to bring it up anyways. A, a Homeless One production, so when did that kind of... When, when did you decide to be a promoter like when did that come into your fire your 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 brain because you had been playing in bands I so was much. doing
1: radio at Cerritos College and I, I featured a lot of local bands also and I met a band called Long Beach vagrant and that's how I met Big Mac and Tim and uh, Big Mac and Tim d- decided to start homeless one productions and right away I wanted to be the radio promo street team guy because that's what I was good at what I had a background in that's what I excelled at and uh, I think they did one D.P. show and made everyone sell tickets <laughs> and uh, probably made a shit ton of money and then uh, I think Tim was out right away and uh, Mac and I decided to carry the torch together and um, we were booking places like the Bull Bar in Long Beach the Regal Inn in Lakewood the Doll Hut in Anaheim uh, Malone's in Santa Ana just wherever we we had my PA system the same fucking one that I still use today and we would take that fucker or we'd hire someone to, either way if I had to do the sound I had my system or we'd, we'd, we had a guy that was local that would do the sound for us and we would pay him so, and so we just started doing shows because we were tired of other promoters and people not doing it thoroughly and correctly and um, it just that's
0: but did That's when I
1: started putting shows together like that, it was mainly for our own bands to strengthen the shows and the lineups.
0: Did you want to do it because you were doing radio, like you didn't want to like promote per per se? You just wanted to 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 be a part of it because it went were, hand you,
1: in hand. You, it was kind of cool because we'd get on the air and be like, "Oh, we've got this show tonight. Come on down!" And we'd be promoting our own gig or our, our buddy's gig or a gig that we're sponsoring or putting. We were a part of the gig, like k c right. used to do their metal nights. At um, Geckos or whatever the place—it's called the Gas Lamp now—but it's been called like ten things. But it's right there off of uh, Second Street no, in Long Beach. Seventh, I mean, yeah, yeah. So um, KAC was obviously the lone LA County metal radio station. That went off the air ninety-five,
0: right? And, and but there was a, so what was your first show that you actually put together?
1: Um, it was at Ferns in Long Beach with my. PA system and uh, it was called Festival of Fools. That was the first lineup that I put together. Give
0: me a year or something. Give me like a exact. Do you have an exact date? Do I you think have... it was
1: 2013. Let me look it up real quick.
0: Wow. So Homeless One Productions, I thought was a, a, around a little bit before that. Were you not booking the bands per se, but you were still part of of um, Homeless One?
1: I was probably just the radio uh, promoter around that time. Street or something. team guy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Give me a you, second here. No, it's fine, man. Like I said, I ask tough questions on the show. You know this already. But, um... So, around... Around this time, right? The metal scene had kind of changed. So you did have, like, the huge, like, thrash boom movement, and Orange County around that time was getting more into, like, the thrash scene. Um, w- did that ever come on your radar, I'm assuming? That would be a yes, right? Yeah, of course. And, um... And that kind of gravitated you toward to towards booking those bands, right? And you were what were some of your um your venues that you were booking around that time besides the doll hut? Because I know that was a big prominent thing for Homeless One productions, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, um we also started before we were like doing some stuff at the Doll Hut, but we started uh booking the Moose Lodge in Whittier. And that's where the wow. bigger shows started happening. That's where Homeless One Metal Fest and Punk Fest took place.
0: Dude, now you bring it back. to so the Moose Lodge in fucking Norwalk. Dude, that place was awesome. Yeah. That place was fucking awesome. Um, I'm sad that they don't they decided to not what is it, not book shows there anymore for understandable reasons. It was like kind of like an old folks home or club or whatever it is to get away from your wives when you're 80 or 50 anyway, but uh, I just remember 2008-2009
1: like, is when Homeless One started wow,
0: that's crazy dude
1: Randy, <laughs> thank you Randy <laughs>
0: <laughs> who's Sorry, listening I, in I'm trying to drink and, uh,
1: coffee and talk and type at the same time know, and it's, th- it's, there it's, it is, I found the fucking flyer finally, it's, here it is man Festival of Fools at Ferns in Long Beach, Saturday, April twenty fourth, and uh, it was two
0: thousand eight. You're saying this yes, is April two twenty four, April twenty fourth, two thousand eight.
1: Yes. Okay. Actually, it says two thousand ten on here. So yeah, the company started, and I was just the radio promo guy for a couple years, and then this was my first lineup, April twenty fourth, two thousand ten. It was uh, Ass, The Scabs, PDP, The Veil Between, Jekyll, Sangre, Pretty in Stereo, Black Velvet Horse, Caustic, and Lazarus Casket. Almost so- One Productions and Transgression Overthrown, WPMD.org, which is the radio station. Yeah.
0: So Lazarus Casket was already a thing by, by then. So that was- Aaron,
1: my, my iPod that I still have that's cracked. Aaron Miller my guitar player in the band that I'm in now which is called Lazarus casket he was next to me drinking beer when I dropped the iPod and it cracked because it was hooked up to my PA system and I, it dropped from about waist high and I still have that iPod it's still the one I used to pump iron with and everything It's crazy yeah exactly <laughs> so,
0: so I'm gonna say having an iPod now is, is critical no not a lot of people have them um, but uh, so let's let's go back to 2000 and i mean we we jumped a long way, so I don't know what we were doing between like two thousand two thousand three and two thousand this is why
1: I quit drinking drugs folks
0: two thousand as he's drinking coffee uh, two thousand three to two thousand ten what were you doing around that time two
1: thousand three to
0: two thousand ten
1: I was just working in grocery and then I got the internship and uh got hired at Century Media, which launched me into the music business, okay, yeah, and I was getting my degrees. My degrees, I finished January 2010. is when I graduated with a double major at Cal State University Fullerton in uh, Bachelor of Arts in Calm entertainment and in radio, TV, film.
0: And why did you want to be a promoter?
1: Um, I think it's because when they were trying to narrow, they try to make, they try to get you to narrow things down in your, um, you know, Pick, pick a job, motherfucker. That's kind of what they do, right? Right. And I, at, I still, when I graduated college, I felt like I still had more to learn. And um, I chose to be a promoter, I think, because I could utilize as many of those skills that I learned in, in school, video editing, audio editing, graphics, all that shit, you use it all. When if I mean I do. I'm not a typical promoter, I don't think though. I think I do a lot more I than just put a show together. I do this I use everything that I've ever fucking done when I realize that I love music and I put that all into every event that I do. And that's I think what might separate me from some of the other not taken away from anyone else, it's just what I it's just my experience. I take all that and roll it and throw it in to every single event that I do,
0: and, and sometimes
1: it, I'll promote somebody else's band more than their own fucking band promotes themselves, and that's kind of sad.
0: Well, and it's, I mean, and if it's you not, don't have
1: passion for what you're doing, absolutely. then why are you even doing it?
0: And it's not, it's not because you want to make money, because there's no fucking mo- yeah. There's not a lot of money in this to begin with. But I think we need more people like us. I think we need more people that are like passionate about music, and it's not about like making a like we're we're fortunate and happy to make a 100 bucks like you know what i mean like for for a or to show get or a something. cheeseburger yeah like like but that is a secret to sustaining a fucking uh, a community when it comes so. to like a metal with like a as, as far as a metal community goes i think we just have to have more people like that and and like especially i said especially now Yes. What
1: the world's going through right this second.
0: And we need to appreciate people like you even further, you know. Or so on just behalf of music all,
1: in general. It yeah. just got taken away from us like that.
0: But but on like behalf that. on behalf of everybody, we're not everybody, allowed to go to shows. Yeah, but on behalf of everybody listening and, and any band that you booked in, I want to say thank you for, for all that you've done for thank us. You, you know, thank like you, man. And, and I and I'm grateful just to, to know you and, and call you a friend. Like like that means a, more to me than 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 you I will, will, will ever know. You know that knowing you that there I... are people that that they believe in the in a in the bigger picture. And there's a lot of us bands, and I'm gonna call every one of you motherfuckers out who are listening in. Um, they they think it's just okay to just be in a band, and it's it's not. It's not, dude. Like have another avenue. Like you are you play in Lazarus Cascade, which we'll get to that whole era. But you you promote. Like I play in Madras... And have a podcast so i'm i'm there's other avenues going and obviously razor radio right but i'm saying or at least stay and
1: watch the other bands that play the shows with you and go say hi to and absolutely but but imagine if
0: everybody was like that
1: right the whole scene imagine if the whole
0: scene was like it imagine if 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 i mean voices is a perfect example of of that of a band that does that too like they fucking support Imagine yes. if every band was like that. Right, we would have a tremendous fucking scene here that everybody in the in the world would be jealous of.
1: I think back when I threw that first show at Ferns, it was more like that, like what you're describing, and I think it slowly kind of withered away. Uh, be- maybe because of social media, uh, who fucking knows? Well, people
0: know? are lazy. People are lazy and think that they're well, owed think, the world, and I they're think, not.
1: I think the social media has attributed to that
0: too. But it's a good and bad thing. But yeah, you True. guys aren't owed anything, so get the fuck out there and support. But the point is, is like, I, I think what you're doing is a great thing. You know, like there's without you, Dan Dismal and a couple other promoters, like there's just there's not a scene. You know. And, and California and especially SoCal have a plethora of fucking great bands. Yeah. So it's sad that it rests on like you guys' shoulders, but you do it so well. Where we're like, I, I wonder who the next uh, bastion of people that are going to do what we do are.
1: Bands and promoters, I agree. Yeah, and it, and radio DJs. Yeah, and everybody, that dude. Are passionate about music. It seems like it's. It's like a sinking ship almost right now. It's you
0: know? yeah, and it's it's uh,
1: everyone that's on the f- battlefield right now are warriors, and we're here till the end. And, and I don't know what's going to happen on the next wave if there is another next well, wave. Right,
0: and and I don't um, know that. And and Eric from from Voidwriter put it this way, where it was like we need to have people that are just like fans of the music doing this kind of stuff too, not just people that playing bands. So I'm talking fans. I'm true, talking true. you guys to to even photographers. Like we need all that stuff. Yeah, we do. You know, and uh, I think we, uh, like myself and you, I, I took uh, a huge like influence from you and, and obviously Bob Mobandy and, and other people to to have another avenue because I saw what you guys were doing. It's like I want to be in, uh, involved in that a little bit further. Yeah might not be the best. I might You've not be the best. It's done a kick ass
1: job, man. I but, remember but when I first met you. But it's
0: something. And it's something's and better did, than nothing, right? We did
1: radio many moons ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, here we are still doing it. Well, yeah, you know? but it took
0: me years to earn your respect, which I Not I, really. Oh, I say that because I, I I my vision of it was different from maybe what you remember. But I remember like once like once I was in your camp, like that was that's when you knew kind of like you were on the next level. Well, you Jason get to t-
1: you get to know people, you yeah. know. That's just something you got
0: yeah, to develop with but everybody. You have to you, know? you have to put in the work. True, it's not just handed to you. So well, I learned that very that's, early that's on. That's kind
1: of why you see bands come and go out of out of uh, now ADHD entertainment lineups. It's because
0: can I can I ask you like a really honest question? Yeah. When bands like when bands tour, right? Like, what does that make it more valuable to you? When bands do touring and stuff, does, does that make sense? So if a band's on tour, right, does that mean that like it the ba- that band is more valuable to a promoter per se? Yeah,
1: if if their agent is oh, spacing out the routing of the shows properly. I was talking about if a you know, band tours in general. Is that well, yeah? Because they don't come to your city very often. It's okay. obviously a huge selling point.
0: Okay, I as didn't know that. As, as, as long this. as they're
1: not playing the Dollhead and Deep Piazza's, which are fucking twenty miles apart, Deep Piazza's then... is
0: pretty much gone, sadly.
1: No, it's not. But is
0: it, so, th- oh fuck yeah! So the but the name's not being changed, right? No, nope.
1: no. Nope.
0: You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Deep Piazza's is still here. We need more venues. Please get on that.
1: I had a pending show for May that may or may uh, probably not going to happen now. That was that was death metal and huge, and I was <sighs> stoked about it, and obviously it just fell through because of what's going on, but. Yeah, I'm friends with with the new owner.
0: Good, good. I but like, I, and I'm not trying to step on toes. I'm literally asking va- like valuable point poignant questions. And I don't know
1: who's gonna survive this whole pandemic right now, though. Oh, uh, th- th- that does And promoters. Yeah. I mean, you know, because of, point, of the economy. Know. Yeah, but you know? at this
0: point, we don't even know. So that's like, once it happens, we'll fi- yeah, kind of figure we that just out. Roll but with the, roll but, with but it. at that time, like obviously, you would see a band tour, and you'd be, you'd be like, oh, like, I really like the band. They tour, so I can at least like. Help them out even further.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was, like that was the like general. Bands like Archaic and Inanimate existence and yeah, uh, the Kennedyville. Even bands, bands like
0: Madras that yeah. would that would go on tours and stuff and and. Uh, um, well,
1: yeah. When you, like when voices, voices or Madras yeah. did the Orange County show with me, and it oh, was, it was like that Slide bar, and you guys are from the Orange County. That's a no-brainer, bro. That should be the best show of the fucking tour it for, was, for actually, all of us. usually Because everyone should be pumped at you coming back home and come support you and give you some gas money and buy that T-shirt and that record and cheer you on and have a beer and sweat and Absolutely. have a good time. And that's what it's all about. And, and forget there's about... There's definite value in that. Yes. Okay, okay.
0: And yeah, yeah. I
1: it's There's so much energy to begin with when you take on that task of putting that show together for that band. You're going to have that momentum. You're going to have... A tour flyer with your city date and venue on it you're going to have the band hungry to come home and play for their crowd they're going to be pushing their hometown show very hard you have all these advantages to do that show just like a cd release or a birthday party or anything else which is kind of my specialty because that's where the passion is man and that's what gets people off their ass gets them to come out and and have a good time and I'm not just talking about the bands, I'm talking no, about people, the fans and the friends and the family
0: absolutely you and know? it seems like like it seems like when I went on tour and stuff, like people would miss us 'cause we we wouldn't be we weren't playing in Orange County, so we'd be playing right. in other places, so it seems like people would be missing us even further to where like it's like oh, they're coming home like and yeah. and i've heard I've heard that and 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 when it comes to like the last day or the last two days of touring and stuff. Fans know that a band is on fire the last couple of days of their tour. Yeah, like silent- exactly. So I am going to use an example: the Silent Scream and Madras tour that you so graciously booked for us, and I really appreciate everything you did for for it, us. No Even to this day, man. I mean, I I love you as a as a homie and brother, and I try and do whatever I can for you, right? But but that specific show, it was like very special. We were, you know, this it was like the last day of the tour, second last day of the tour, or whatever. We get on stage. There's just a massive, like, fans that just go, went apeshit, and and the band was, like, tight because we had been playing every night.
1: Ten days in a row, or right. 14, or whatever it was, yeah.
0: So, and I think that adds to, um, it adds to booking a show for you or whatever. It's like, if a band's on tour, it's like, the, kind of like a couple last, the, the last days of the tour, it's like, oh yeah, I got this show. yeah They're going to be on fire. I already know that, so I don't have to worry about them sucking, so I can at least, just concentrate on another aspect of it, kind of thing. Am I making sense?
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, we've always, you know, if you got a line on a band like Unmerciful from Kansas that wants to fucking play for you, and heard that you're a good promoter, you're gonna fucking kick some ass for that band because you get the one show in California. Of course, yeah. people are gonna come to it. Why wouldn't they fucking? And, come and they'll to
0: tell it? their friends. I yeah. I, I don't then know. Then you if ask actually... your,
1: you know, you ask the bands that match with that band you know, it's a So you guys want to fucking play down the street from where you live with this band from Kansas. That's on uniquely to Rec- records. Well, yeah, duh. And then there you go. The show's
0: amazing. Yeah. You know, but I'm saying like, and then obviously that word of mouth spreads. Cause you know, go, the further I get into this business, the more I realize like that, how, how much of like a close knit family we are because like everybody knows each other. Oh yeah. seems like if you've made any sort of impact, they know who you are kind of thing. And like, you know, when me and Andy would do shows, like people would know who we are. And it was like, like, like this whole thing of like, like you know, all we did was start a radio show or, or, or continue Andy's radio show and, and, and play bands and stuff. Like we never thought of like people would actually n- kind of know us in that regard. You know, like we right. just did it because we like to do it. And yeah, it yeah. seems like, like with, with your promoting thing, I'm, just, I'm assuming it's the same way.
1: It's great. It's it's like, yeah. It's crazy. Like
0: anywhere you go, like people know who you are because of.
1: I I can't remember everyone's names because <laughs> I have so many bands I work with, and there's four or five members. I usually pick Tanner from Madras to talk to, and that's who I talk to from Madrast. And I know Nick, obviously, and I knew Nick first actually from Gutsaw. That's and okay. Sacrificial I, love, Slaughter. I love Nick so. But yeah. when I wanted to talk about Madrast, when you first played for me in Pomona, at Characters, wow, remember.
0: No, I don't. I don't remember that show.
1: We'll look it up later. <laughs> okay. But that okay. was probably the first time I booked you guys and it was awesome. But that's who I talked to you, you know I and then from then on, I, when I talk about booking Madras, I just talk to you because I have this is how I put you people in my phone. I put the band name like
0: right? You obviously, know. we're friends, though, at this point, too, I want to say. But of but course. obviously, you meet like other people in that camp, too. So you met Dad Rost. Like you meet other right. people in the camp or the band. So you, you. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying you have a plethora of fucking like connections when it comes I to this. certain things. a lot things.
1: now. And then we haven't even uh, continued no, no, but on yeah, no, what happened I want, next.
0: But absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just having a conversation with you mm-hmm. right now. This is me and you. Nobody else matters. I hear you.
1: I hear you. You know? I'm nobody listening. Matters. I'm locked in.
0: Locked in. So it's just it's just very comforting that like you're a kind of individual that 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 uh that can do that. So there's not a lot of people that can do it as well as you. Well, Your organization thank you. skills. Thank you. Thank you. Where did that come from? Your how do you organize everything?
1: Um probably just school. I was a great student, you know. And uh that what, some that- subjects I was better at than others. Um in high school I was um an honors English student, an honors science student, an honors math student. I was pretty f- fucking intelligent actually, and I just chose metal and and uh, maybe parting for a minute. But uh, what's weird is, you know, lately with the sobriety, uh, some of most of that intelligence is thankfully coming back, and but now it's like my brain is huge because I I used. That's not calm. because of the hair,
0: right? No, we're not talking. No, it's not a hair joke. Right?
1: Okay. But like you know, I used all those substances maybe to calm the monster down for a while, for twenty years, you know, to be exact. But um, now I need to focus on and figure out what I want to do next.
0: Um, let's do um, let's do this. I want let's go to directly to the um, Lazarus Casket days, sure, if you don't mind. Um, because how so? The band was already formed, if I'm not mistaken. The band was already formed, right? I met
1: uh, Lazarus Casket at D. Piazza's in Long Beach when they opened for a band called Droid. Uh, Droid, I believe, was on Monkey from Korn's label for a while. And uh, Neil and I saw them at the House of Blues in Anaheim. We were big fans. um, And... uh, They opened for... They were the one band that Droid invited to open for them, and they were from Long Beach, this band called Lazarus Casket. And I just remember the guitar player with the long blonde hair and the bass player with the mohawk and the hot Asian girlfriend in the (laughs) miniskirt. And that was uh, Aaron Miller and David Johnson and and Jen Rios. They're all still around, same people. And that's how long I've known the guys. And uh, uh, they've went through several vocalists. Um... Um,
0: and you had been out of obviously All Gods Kill at this point. So what? What happened with All Gods Kill? No, no,
1: no. I was in All Gods Kill. We used to play gigs together for years. Lazarus Casket and All Gods Kill. Oh, okay. There's tons of flyers of us together. So we became friends from that night on. Droid. We went to uh, Jamie from Droid's house for an after party. Mac, me, Aaron, Chris, the original drummer, who's in Project Human now. Um. We all went to an after party till till the sun came up. Nearly, probably, who knows? Had a good time after the show, and uh, we became good friends. All of us, you know, uh, Chris and David and Aaron and I used to, you know, drink Jagermeister shots and at the the Hideaway in uh, Lakewood and put on Lamb of God on the jukebox and just have a good time. You know, we're just crazy metalheads. And uh, anyway, uh, Irby became their singer. And uh, we started to do a uh, a Killswitch Engage cover song together when they'd have me, I was still in All God's Kill, but they'd have me come up on stage and we would do Life to Lifeless from Killswitch Engage together, Irby and I, with Lazarus Casket. And um, we played like a bigger show together, All God's Kill and Lazarus Casket at, at um, the Seaport Marina Hotel, which is no longer there. But,
0: in Long Beach? The one yeah. with like... Uh uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. It'd be like,
1: sometimes there'd be different Brian rooms Lake, and different dude. stages. Yeah. But there was one time we played right across from each other, and I think i Show Parish was the headliner, maybe, or something. And uh, it was fun. And, uh, you know, we just became good friends. And basically, uh, Aaron and I were like doing a side project for a second. And actually, Brian Schwartz, my current roommate and our current second guitar player.
0: Love Brian. Thanks for wearing our t-shirt. Love Love you, Brian. Brian. Uh,
1: We were writing this song together as a side project, but then Aaron goes, um, you know, we don't have a singer right now.
0: Did he tell you why? No. Did he just quit? I don't know. I don't don't really know why. Okay.
1: And uh, I didn't even really have to audition, man. They just said, you're in the band. Because they already we know knew you're me.
0: cool. We know you could sing. They, in the they band.
1: already knew me. They already played shows with me. They already knew me as All God's Kills vocalist, and it was a done deal. And uh, I just had to learn the songs. And I was always pissed off at, even before I was in the band, I was mad at their quality of recordings. I told Aaron, dude, you guys sound so much better live. You guys need to get better recordings. And I actually helped them with Erby do a higher quality recording um with daniel martin the same guy that produced the nothing eternal album
0: No, i remember you <laughs> joining them kind of like around the time that like i i went to like a fucking like mirror image studios if anybody remembers that venue out in uh, anaheim and i remember meeting you there not meeting you but i remember like engaging in like one of our first conversations and you telling me like yeah i just joined this band I a casket like we got a new ep out um, I forgot what band was playing. To be honest with you, I th- probably I remember- Diamond
1: Plate. Yes, it was my birthday. Yes, I was hammered that night. Yes, later. not not probably when I saw you, but I tied on a good fucking one that night.
0: I was so sure. disappointed with them, but anyway, I digress.
1: That was Mirror Image. Yeah,
0: yeah it was Mirror Image. Yeah. I remember that show, but I remember like you telling me like, yeah, I guys got in this band that was Casket because I I I knew you'd booked maybe yeah because I knew you had booked us or whatever, and I knew you had played in All God's Kill around that time, but didn't know what you were doing at that time. And when I had asked you, it was like, yeah, I just joined this band. We got a new EP kind of coming out. It wasn't out yet. It yeah. was a the five song, I think it was a five song down, uh, EP that was yeah, coming out. That
1: came out in 2014 when we finally put it out. So and that show was probably the same
0: year or yeah. maybe the year before. Yeah. Maybe depending. 2013, 2014. So yeah. um, I remember obviously having a conversation. So talk to me about the recording process of that specific EP.
1: That that EP? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, for sure. Um well, um, my good friend John Sankey, who uh, was from a band from Australia called Devolved, um, he moved to the U.S. for a while, and his vocalist on their last record, uh, Mark Hagblad, he lived in Newport Beach at the time, um, he was working on uh, another album Anyway, he he's a good producer. Mark Mark's excellent at what he does, and uh, we just came to a uh, deal on a full price. He he gave us a good deal. He wanted to he he you know he did everything. He produced, mixed, mastered. He really. Um, I was talking to Brian about this today. The, my guys are actually writing a new song as we speak, Aaron and Brian, right now tonight, so cool. which is amazing. So we're both doing two different things for the band at the same time, which is why I love promotion this band, and writing and writing the next album, which is the new album's not even out yet. So anyway, um, what I was telling Brian about what Mark did on that self-titled uh, 2014 EP was he really kind of uh made the band focus more on making things almost more simple instead of just so busy and made it more of a song. The songs were pretty much the same. You mean
0: cohesive? He was yeah, the blue? Yeah,
1: he did something, dude, to us that we carried into the band how it is today. We became a better band because of Mark. 1,000%. Uh, did what? Whatever he did
0: on, on that EP
1: made us sound like a better band and then we had to go replicate that and we've been working on that perfection for years and then when we finally decided to kind of scratch all that fucking material and write the new stuff when brian came aboard it's just become like a whole new band and it's kind of rad you know what i know i'm a little older now but when all god's kill was firing on all cylinders that's where lazarus casket is right now even though it's been this long time lapse between the two the 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 balls I got out of playing in front of as All God's Kills vocalist, I have that shit back right now. I I haven't had that feeling in years, but I I've I have this weapon, this band that gets out there and and puts out so much energy, and I get to say I'm the voice of the band. I'm like this extra instrument, and uh, my life has changed so much in the past. Just, you know, three months or two, three years alone that um, it's just, it's a trip. What's a trip is to see you as a vocalist track something, Mm -hmm. write something, track something. And then before it even comes out, the words and what is happening in the world currently, the song changes meanings. Right in front of your eyes because you wrote it about your life and life but is app- changing around it, but you. But it
0: applies to every, like a lot the, of other... The, things.
1: the meaning of the words changed from what they meant three months ago mm-hmm. to what they mean now in March 2020. It's fucking crazy, dude. I it's can tell weird. you it's the same
0: thing for us because I wrote about a certain subject that is now fucking happening it's, now. Exactly, and I know? didn't even I wrote it in 2019. Isn't that weird? And recorded it then, and it's, it's kind of eerie. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, like it's kinda like we're ahead of our time.
1: It's weird, dude. But um yeah.
0: as a vocalist so like what did you change dynamically um as opposed to say the EP to the record?
1: Well that EP I didn't I only wrote two of those songs. Doesn't
0: well, matter, matter about right, yeah. right. I'm just talking like the other ones, you, vocally speaking, like, right. like what new elements vocally did you want to add? Well Mark when Mark was tracking that EP
1: he um fortunately for me and for the sound of that EP said, "Fuck what the old singer was doing do do you stamp this? this is yours and I did and uh, I was kind of worried about what the guys thought at first on that EP about because I took it definitely a notch into the dark side of metal a little more than what the previous vocalists w- were doing it was uh, in
0: terms of like the tone of your vocals or in terms of lyrical. <clears throat>
1: The the lyrics are the same on those fu- on 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 uh f- one, two, three, four, five. on f- I think it was six so four of those songs are word for word what the old vocalist did
0: so but you did it in a way that like he couldn't kind of um
1: there were more clean tones in it and I just scratched that and uh, did the, your own it's not thing? my strength
0: but like at you, the
1: time so but it just
0: worked out better for the song per se they,
1: they came out good and I think everyone was stoked with that EP good actually. yeah um. I was trying to push the band in a more death metal direction. And um, I think in a weird way, what we sound like now is just a culmination of all of our influences. And uh, we're we're all stoked that we're just creating what we want to create. And um, it's flowing very nicely. Uh, the two... Lazarus caskets always had a revolving door at the second guitar position, and since Brian's come in, that's not the case anymore. And uh, Brian and Aaron, like I said, are jamming right now. I'm writing right now tonight, and uh, they get along great, and they're just kicking ass together. And it's that's what the band needed—not uh, just the front man that was going to stick around and stay and track um and push the band business wise and all that the you know all the things that I can bring to the table but also just having the second guitar player stabilized has has been a big deal okay, for us Okay so that,
0: that my It's always been so,
1: something that's changed
0: But what musically does he bring to the table like uh, that's different I guess from Aaron because Aaron I know is like a prolific they're both really good at what they do obviously are you, you all you guys are but what what does he bring differently to to Lazarus casket
1: uh Brian just practices I mean I uh different techniques, I think. Um he's probably into different bands um than Aaron is, even though there's some crossover there definitely. We all like certain bands and certain records, but uh you know, I think Brian's in, uh, Brian's a little younger, I believe, than Aaron. But they're they're both younger than me. I'm the old man here. But uh yeah. They just have different styles, but they, they mesh together well. Um, and then vocally, Aaron can do um, clean vocals pretty well. And I noticed that when I started hearing Project Human perform. And I was like, well, fuck, well, why why aren't we doing...
0: Wait, so But he was in Project Human, right? Beforehand or something? Or, was that, he, or did some, he
1: join after? Project Human was formed probably because I didn't want to fucking play shows anymore. Okay. I was sitting on my ass getting high and drunk, booking shows, and I didn't want to play. I was, uh, the band was almost falling apart when that EP came out. Like, we tried to go push that record, and just people in the band didn't have jobs, weren't showing up for rehearsals. It, it wasn't working. And there were some shows where we had to uh, use a fill in drummer, or we would have missed out on opportunities, like playing with Devil You Know, their first show ever of their career at Chain Reaction with Howard Jones, of now of Light the Torch and formerly of Killswitch Engage, we wouldn't have been able to play that show with our lineup that we have now because it wasn't available to us at the time. It just wasn't working. People were having other things and issues in their lives coming up at the time. And so we had to fill in a drummer help us out with a couple gigs and the other one was with Winds of Plague at a Seaport Marina Hotel. Um, it's not something I like to do um you lose something when you have someone fill in usually and um luckily we were able to get everyone together back on the same page to do the ep release for that in 2014 which we did in in april of 2014 at dp oz's and uh we took a break after that because i just think the band needed to so that it wouldn't break up and um, two years later,
0: but you weren't doing like a lot of touring around that time, right? You were just kind of merely I focusing was, on on, on uh, um,
1: the band. No, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, for local work, shows? I was. Okay. For
1: work, I was. I I ended up going out and doing You uh, Knows first tour ever as their salesperson, which was with um, Black Label Society and Down on uh, for a couple weeks and Butcher Babies, and it was a blast. We did you know, the full, I was gone for, I think five weeks.
0: So what do you full think? us. What do you think? So now, that, like obviously to wrap this up, like let, let me, uh, let me ask you about like the new record that you have coming out. Tell, tell me about it.
1: Well, um, you know, it's been six years in the making, I guess. And, um, once I got this new job, I just, uh, buckled down and finally got the songwriting finished on the, on the lyrics. And, we tracked it and now we have this great momentum and um it's just it's just a rad record we've been most of those lyrics are all pretty fresh and um they touch upon certain subjects depending on the song and uh it's very therapeutic for me to to write these songs because they come from my life and my heart and my soul and uh One of the tracks that we just put out a lyric video for, Hymns for the Dead, is a a dedication and a memoriam to three of our close friends that have passed away recently. Uh, One of them I've been talking about a lot in this interview, Mr. Neil Peterson, who was my guitar player in Nothing Eternal, my roommate, one of my best friends, who was also in Project Human, by the way. Um, He passed away just in April 2016. Or actually, the Memorial Show was in April two thousand and sixteen. He passed away in January right right around the super Bowl two thousand and sixteen and uh that's when we took the break from two thousand and fourteen to two thousand and sixteen When Neil passed away, we decided to do a memorial show and get back together and uh Brian this goes this is what happened with Brian Brian since he wrote that one track when we were doing the side project before I joined the band. I asked Brian, hey, would you, you want to, you know, the, these two, there were actually two tracks that he kind of co-pinned that we used on that EP, the new ones, which are actually the bonus tracks on this album, by the way. And uh, he, it just clicked. And I said, hey, do you just want to learn the whole set, bro, and just do the whole set on the memorial show for us, for Neil? And he said, yeah. And he grew up, he knew Neil. He partied with Neil. We all grew up in the same same areas. Uh, we we had the same friends you know guys in iceberg red and Las lucy
0: so he's part of the clique
1: yeah and uh so neil passed away um pretty tragic it was an accident you know and uh it's hard to talk about sometimes you know i'm i uh, but uh, what i do want to say is
0: I wish I got to meet him. I never got to, to you pr- meet you know. him.
1: If you were around at shows, you might have been at the same shows as him. Cause I might have went, been at the
0: same, I, but you know, I don't remember like having a
1: conversation or, or, or seeing. He's him. just a passionate metalhead, man. He's he's a good guy.
0: Well, he's, I'm sure in our next life, I'll fucking hang out with him and have a beer. Sure. So it'll be fine. We will be fine.
1: Anyway, the memorial, uh, the memoriam, the track hymns for the dead was very therapeutic for me to write. Um,
0: no, did you use I, it? Obviously, you used his passing and other other people's passings for that specific song, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, and um, some of the lyrics. Some of them... Yeah, there's... I don't want people to misinterpret some of these lyrics because Hymns for the Dead, which will be, by the way, on... uh, It'll be on KCAL Rocks in the Inland Empire 96.7 on April 4th at uh, sometime around 10 p.m. Pacific. uh, Thanks to Mike Z for Debuting Fuck, yeah. that song, but uh, obviously, that's pretty awesome. Obviously,
0: you can't do hate boils.
1: Right, so. we already did that here.
0: <laughs> I know, but you can't even do it because the 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 um the, the lyrical content, right?
1: Right. Yeah, he he would have to bleep it out. Okay, hymns for the dead. Although I kind of like to hear that. It's pretty. Shut the- uh- Right, right. I mean, it's a lot about saying goodbye to our friends. And then I went back and wrote the chorus, which is uh, Hymns for the Dead. It it goes, you are the devil like sheep you follow your cult of lies from ashes we rise, which is kind of a spiritual battle that I've personally been going through uh, as an alcoholic, a former alcoholic. And uh, that has nothing to do with them passing. That's that was added to the song as the chorus. So I don't want people to misinterpret the uh, tribute to these guys as uh, hearing that chorus and having it take their opinion Focus about away. something. Uh, the rest of the song is what they should be, you know, looking at. And and the other people that have passed: uh, Ernest and Duho, he had leukemia and got really sick in the hospital, and Phil Davy, who was also coincidentally jammed with Neil and I in Nothing Eternal as a, like an audition. A long he's, time ago, he was in a band called Eyes Ice Red. Iceburn Red, and he's uh, not
0: the drummer, right? He, no,
1: he's the bassist. Okay, he can also sing and play guitar. It's
0: not the the drummer that passed away at the Doll Hut, right?
1: No, that was someone else.
0: Okay, the punk rock I know yeah. you do a lot of punk rock. Dave gigs. McLean. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Phil was also in a band called Oscillus when he moved to Chicago. And then he came back, and he was in Hellbroke Hollow, which is basically our brother sister band. Uh, Helber Hollow used to be called; uh, her name was Disaster, and Garen and Gabe. Um, there they were actually in Lazarus Casket for a brief time period during that weird period when the band just needed to take a break because it just wasn't working, you know. And uh, anyway, Whitey, our drummer, used to play bass. I like name that his was name is Whitey.
0: I like that you guys call him Whitey. <laughs> it's just so cool because he's not. He's not white. No, he's not love white. Him. I, lo- I love <laughs> we lo- Whitey. We all
1: love Whitey. Anyway, Whitey used to play bass, and her name was Disaster. So it's like we're all fans. Thanks
0: for playing man. drums, Whitey. Okay. <laughs> he's and a great right, drummer, dude. He's no, he's come a, a long great way. drummer. He kicks yeah. Ass. He's yeah.
1: Killing it on this new record. It's fabulous, and I can't wait to write.
0: That's know, why I was so surprised, dude. He was the one that surprised me the most. He's with He's cause, improved. Because I knew. Shit ton. Well, it's I know all great. you guys are like on a certain level, but like when when I heard him and I was like. Like oh this this is really good like Whitey is like he's actually a good drummer yeah like he's vastly improved from the first like couple of years and I got to see him play drums for you guys you know yeah. and and um, you know like oh he hits a lot harder on this yeah, like, it's yeah, awesome yeah.
1: I think it's we've developed our own sound it's, it's great I don't even know what no, the fuck we rules. are so
0: if he's watch if he's listening or watching at any time you rule that's all I want to say about that but um so what is next for I mean not even that the recording process for the record walk me through it. Um, we,
1: we, Aaron Miller, um, recorded, mixed and mastered everything in house at, uh, beyond cryptic studios in Long Beach. He's, uh, doing some other stuff for some other artists. So if anyone needs recordings, hit up my guitar player, Aaron Miller, he's on my Facebook friends list. Um, we had a great team, uh, help us with art on this one too. Um, what was your specific question again? I'm sorry. The, I the to recording process. Walk me
0: through Basically, it. Basically, so what, what, what
1: we do now is we, um, we have scratch guitar. Usually Aaron or Brian will bring some riffs to the table or a full song structure. And we'll get the scratch guitar down. And then um, we have an electric kit at, at the recording studio. So Whitey will program the drums with the electric kit. And then they'll send them to the Dropbox to me, and then I'll listen for months. Just listen, listen, listen. Get this. Then when I'm ready, I usually already have lyrics in my phone or on paper or on computer somewhere going, and then I sit down and I write out the song structure and the time signature, like this uh, verse, riff A, one, two, three, four, and then riff B, one, two, three, four, intros, 30 seconds, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't want to give away all my secrets here, but um, then That's I, 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 I put. I'm getting better at making what I'm trying to say on paper fit the song. In my,
0: in terms of what though the the lyrical, instead of trying to the, the say caden- what I want to the say... the cadences? Are you talking cadences? Just making wise? it
1: fit the music. In cadences? The, like You're just talking taking out the word the because it doesn't need to be there, so that. F- Sounds more fluent, right? So you're working, with,
0: you're working with the riff, with the song, right? More a, than
1: I used to. I'm not fighting to try to say what I want to say as much anymore. I can say well, it a different way, right? Okay, so that it sounds better with the song.
0: So you're letting the song flow a little bit more, yeah? Kind of, and like- I'm
1: trying to let some riffs breathe. Sometimes I think that's key. Um, sometimes your vocals, when you're a standalone vocalist, you're an extra instrument. Sometimes you're an extra layer on a a chorus. Sometimes well, you're you have, following the guitar. Sometimes you're doing your own thing, and it just works. I can't explain it really.
0: But are, do you have like an ego when it comes to that thing? So you're setting aside like your ego for a certain part because I think that is the key to writing a good song.
1: Is, but yeah, you definitely is, have is doing to do what's that.
0: best for the song. As opposed, I to think your everyone
1: radio. has to do that because I know sometimes I'll I'll stomp on some guitar part and probably might yeah, hurt somebody's it, 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 w- feelings but then in no, the end that, it sounds like, great
0: you know yeah, or or it could be the opposite effect where like it, right. it, it,
1: it's it, too much it, go at once
0: right like you know drums or bass or even the guitar riffs or solos or something but
1: i just think uh dude i, I don't know how to explain it but the last this whole album that's coming out on may 8th 2020 might be because we have the access of digital recording, and we're doing everything in-house. But when I go track a song now, it's fucking done. Like that's awesome immediately. Like it's the weirdest thing. That's just how the last like four or five songs have come out. but that's like I've experience. had the idea. I'll make myself listen to that fucking instrumental track so many times before I even start to put the lyrics to the song that, I know that song so fucking well, so when I'm tracking it, I know when the changes are coming.
0: But okay, so but not even not even that aspect. I'm not not even talking the changes. I'm talking about cadences in your voice. So I'm talking like when you do a verse, right? I'm like when you do highs and lows. Think think about that
1: in my head um, as you're tracking. As I'm as I'm uh, writing. uh, As you're writing. Before I go there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's all in my head, going into it, and usually I'll sit down and put the lyrics to the to the instrumental song and then I'll I'll have the time signature on the right column and then I'll text the guys, this song's done and it's called this and I want to track it now. And
0: okay. then we
1: schedule it and I go in and do it before I forget what I was thinking of. Sometimes I'll create a voice memo on my phone if I need to, to remind myself of how I was envisioning the cadence or the vocals. And something I have been uh, working on a lot is not being monotonous. not Doing everything in a high pitched scream, trying to use different tools in the tool bag, and um, have a mid range vocal, have a high, have a low growl, have a higher scream here, and I also am trying to get through a set list without killing myself and being bent over, out of breath the I, whole fucking time. And I know that's the why. Feeling. That's why we've implemented more. People on the microphones in our band nowadays, you'll see, and I and sometimes they just start doing they add on their own. Like, I'll watch live video and I'll be like, Holy fuck, you guys are killing it on the backup vocals right here! Like, you can't even hear me in the mix because the fucking house guy sucks ass at this venue. That's a huge fucking show. You think we'd sound better, right? But we're not. But then you hear the video and you hear them carrying the chorus because I'm drowned out in the mix because someone doesn't know what the fuck they're doing even though they've been doing this their whole life or they didn't give a shit. I don't know what the problem is there because I do sound myself and I'm not even a fucking sound engineer. And I can make band sounds sound better than that. And I know when a vocalist isn't high enough in the mix or not by just opening my goddamn ears. But anyway, you know, people do what they want to do. Maybe they spilled coffee while we were playing our 20-minute set. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but it happens. It's just part of the game.
0: What do you think?
1: <laughs> Sorry, the coffee kicked no, in. No, what
0: do you... <laughs> Here, here's a serious question for you. Yeah. What do you think bands can do better uh, in, as far as, in, in a certain aspect, as far as uh, bettering our community?
1: Uh, just, I think bands need to something that that uh, we always did when we started Homeless One Productions was we used to have radio parties with the whole lineup before certain festivals and stuff. I and mean, every, every at least one band member from each band would come on the air on my radio show or in the backyard and we'd do sound bites and then put it on the air later and have a barbecue with beers, and everyone would get to know each other from each band so that when we played the show together, everyone would stay and support each other.
0: Like what and we did people, for steve yes, fucking thing? Exactly at uh Like uh, that. Except I, me and you were the only ones that showed up to it? Okay. We're, yeah, Yeah, exactly. to, to, Zach, to Zach Friedberg's house? Is right. Is that what you're
1: saying? Right. No. Something like that. So.
0: And I know Liz, I know, uh, Liz is watching, and I just want to give a shout-out to Metal Load and uh, Lone Wolf. Productions, so make sure to go check her out. Because because Lo- Metal Load was like our fucking visual, and it's not here oh, yeah. anymore. You know, so we need to have those kind of aspects. But of course, but a community is what you're saying. So like bands getting together and doing it for the community as opposed to just their egos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is what I'm hearing, right? I mean, that's
1: what we were always trying to do back then, and um, I feel like just. Things have become busy, busy in California, and uh, it takes forever to go 20 miles down the road. It takes hours when it's not supposed to. And I think uh, with that happening in life and California being overpopulated and the economy being in the shitter, which maybe might even get worse currently because of the situation, but I just think all that factors into losing out on that fellowship with each band in the lineup because people do not have as much time to go out to shows and support other artists, to hang out outside of work and band rehearsal and recording and gigging. There's not much extra time left in our lives, in our day-to-day lives, especially as we get older and, and need our rest and our health to be a priority. That's number one. As you get older or you don't make it, you usually pass away, especially in this business. If you look around, a lot of guys go too hard, and never stop and they kill themselves and that's just being honest you know and that's something that we all need to watch out for each other about because i know not just those guys that i lost but big rob there's so many other people just recently in our local la and orange county community that we've lost not just rock stars and celebrities but i'm talking about our friends you know
0: it's gonna hit me, I guess, further on in my career. You get
1: to a certain age because I, I haven't, off, I haven't, I you haven't know? lost
0: a lot of friends yet. It sucks. Um, I just hope I can be the one that goes before all of them. <laughs> that way, I don't have to feel that pain, you know. Yeah, but but at the same time, it's like it's it's probably gonna help me in the <clears> long <throat> run to have to go through that. And I don't I don't want to go through it, but you know, when I see my friends going through it, it's kind of like. Like man, it kind of sucks. Like, I don't uh, want to. We be... just
1: lost Hans from Sixes, you know, recently. So there is another one that I, you know, just happened. Dude, I,
0: I want to uh, talk about ago. Sixes because I love Sixes. The only thing is, is they were so fucking loud live. But I, I love that band. You know, yeah. I loved what they stood for, and and I hope they can still be a band because that. I hope so. It, it's hard to lose a member. I mean, I I can't even imagine. Can you imagine what it's like? Like you are playing it with somebody, and then they're just. You're one day gone the next and you have to try and continue on
1: well of those people that I wrote the song for two of them were my former band members so half of my original band's dead ernie <sighs> and and Neil
0: so what I mean so you know, so now you know the pain where was, oh yeah 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 but I'm talking to current oh yeah it's like that's, currently, that's even dude. more
1: devastating yeah of course
0: so man I loved Hans man I have some great stories with Hans dude he told me some some real shit that I would like never forget like there was one time so we were at the slide bar at that show the last time and that the last time they played the slide bar remember it was i booked um, the tour yeah. yeah you booked the tour uh, it's, it's gonna make me tear up a little bit but he was telling me i was like I'm like so what is it like to to like kind of be in your position like you got signed you have vinyl and he's like dude it means nothing it, it means nothing like it's like it's like it's cool and it's cool that you have friends, but literally, like you're 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 still nothing. And like I've always taken that to heart where it's like it doesn't matter if you've been signed or. If you've I been, feel
1: like my attitude has become more like that recently also because I feel like um,
0: like nothing matters. like it doesn't yeah, matter how much right. um you're not like you're not gonna be Metallica anymore that that doesn't exist, right. you know, to an extent, like like even even, uh, I don't want to put Warbringer in this camp, like, touring 300 days a year, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, yeah, thank you, Liz, it was Ronnie's, I think it was Ronnie's B-Day show is what the, the, the we ended up having it as, with Sixes playing, but right. I remember, but, like, that doesn't exist, like, even if he toured 300 days a year, like, a, say, like, a band like Warbringer, X-Mortis, or any of those bands, it doesn't matter, like, at the end of the day, they're still going home to, like, a no-job thing, and, 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 Like, they may be, like, more... It is. It's a tough... So, I think we need to utilize our thing, and and from what he told me, like, it kind of put myself in perspective, where it was like, we need to focus now on, like, the thing that can get us all to the masses without having to do, work smarter, not harder, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, So, I think the internet and, like, having podcasts, like, that's the new kind of thing to do, as opposed to just, say, playing a show every day of your life, because it's, you know, at the end of the day... Yeah, there are people that, that go out to shows. <laughs> but as you're finding out nowadays, especially with what's happening in the past, like, two weeks, dude, right, right, right. this whole virus thing that's happening, you know, a lot of people, they they utilize the Internet. So we have to utilize it, too. And so I realized it's like he's right about that. Like, it doesn't matter if you're signed or this or this. That that was a stigma probably back in when the 2008, 2009, 2010, because the social media wasn't prevalent then.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: So it doesn't matter if you're signed or not.
1: And I don't know what's going to happen next, you know? None of us uh, do. Especially because of what's going on right now.
0: None of us just, do, you It know? brought
1: the whole industry to a halt really, really fast. The whole co-
0: economy, not just the not industry. Not just the U.S. Just everybody. The whole world. The whole world you know? musicians. And I think we're, f- we're slowly figuring out, like, what is really important to us.
1: I think that's what uh, this pandemic
0: and i'm grateful to, that we've actually had the pandemic i'm one of those those assholes that people make fun of but yeah. i'm grateful for it because it's taught us a lot of like what we really care about
1: i'm hoping that the outcome of this pandemic that people are going to be better to each other
0: i hope so and i hope i really i hope, hope people so. will now support each other in anything they do whether it be music Instead whether it be taking
1: everything for granted yes toilet paper beer music it's yeah. all, it can all be taken away like that.
0: It's, it's, uh, and, and I think this has shown it, but Mr. Jason Teller, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show, man. And, and, uh, and I, uh, I, I really value you as a, as a human, as a human being, as a, as, as a promoter, as any, like you're one of the main reasons why we have a scene out here. So on behalf of everybody, thank you so much for, for everything that you do, man. And I'm, Thanks, I Tim. hope you come, you know, you want to come back on the show and we get to talk more shit. For like sure. we uh, like we do, it to day to day life, you know, always text you some stupid shit, and we'll oh yeah, talk, text back. So anyway, another episode of Popper's Corner. I'm out of here, guys. I want to thank Mr. Jason Tyler. Can
1: I uh, yes. plug a couple things real quick? You can, Sorry. And,
0: and you can, and then I'll end the show. How okay, about
1: that? yeah, yeah, because I didn't s- get to say this real quick. Uh, don't forget the new Lazarus Casket Warriors of Sacrifice comes out May eighth. You can pre order at LazarusCasket I just want to thank uh, Aaron Miller, my guitar player, for mixing, mastering, and recording this record at Beyond Cryptic Studios in Long Beach. Uh, the cover art and logo are done by Malik Nefarius, Necrofarius Creations. Band photos were done by Lone Wolf Productions. The Warriors of Sacrifice artwork is done by Josh Inkflinger-Smith. And I uh, had some layout help from LD Rablo at Nuclear Blast Records. I just want to give a shout-out to Joaquin. Sahagin and Colcock Whiskey. We thank him for all the support over the years. And anyone that comes out to our shows, everyone that's bought in the new record, thank you, Tanner, and everyone else. Uh, we love you all, and we hope to see you whenever the world lets us play music again.
0: Absolutely. Well, another episode of Papa's Corner. I'm out, guys.